Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the full moon in the first decan of Aries. I hope that you're having a wonderful Friday afternoon out there or whenever you are listening to this after the fact. We're going to examine all of the uh, ins and outs of the full moon today that's going to be happening on the 29th of September. We're going to break down some of the decanic tarot associations that are going to be present throughout the full moon with Aries 1 and Libra 1. We're going to talk a little bit about the astrology of the fall equinox and some of the other aspects that are going to be happening simultaneously, including a Venus uh, Uranus square around that full moon in a trine with Mercury and Uranus as well. So we will break all that down. We will take the lunation through each rising sign and uh, break it down for you individually so that you know what to expect. Um, If you have any questions throughout the show today, make sure to put it in the chat. Ask me a question if you have any comments or whatnot. It's always nice hearing from you. And please let me know if you are here today. Please leave me a comment in the chat box here. Do me a huge favor. Uh, Please like the video today. Subscribe to the channel if you aren't already. And welcome if you're new here. Um, I have a newsletter you can sign up for that will help you know when we are going live again and the other offerings that I have going at various times. Um, I have a few announcements to make before we dive into the full moon today. Um, I am doing a Deccan Walk and it is a very exciting program where we are going to be going on a year-long journey together discovering all of the uh, mythology, fixed stars, tarot associations, planetary associations with each 10 degree section of the zodiac. We're gonna be reading T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets. We're gonna be discussing these things in twice monthly meetups. We're going to be asking questions and having discussions outside of class in a Discord group. We have a PDF workbook for you to work through your lived experience while we go through the Deccans. Um, it's going to be a really great time. I'm really excited about it. Uh, the class is going to start on October 2nd, so we've got about a week before we start. Registration is going to close on the 30th of September, so you have till until about a week from tomorrow to sign up. Um, I'm closing it a few days before the class starts so that we can have time to do all the administrative work that goes along with that, so don't delay. If you are interested, reach out. There are payment plans available if you need uh, to, to spread the payments out over various lengths of time. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me either in the chat today or after the fact. You can send me an email at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. would love to go on this adventure with all of you. We have some great people signed up, and I'm really excited about the group that we have forming. And, um, yeah, this is something that uh, I've been working on for, for a long time with the Deccans, and I'm really excited to share that knowledge with you. So you can find a link for that pinned to this chat today or in the description of the video or the audio that you're listening to here today. Uh, I also wanted to announce that we have the individual webinars that are included in the price of the Deccan Walk if you sign up for that. But if you if you aren't able to join us with the Deccan Walk, my individual webinars do go on sale every once in a while, and the Deccans of Libra are now 20% off. So you can check that out at the store at my website, spencermichaud.com. And finally, If uh, those of you who haven't heard, my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, has a lovely magical business where she uh, elects different oils and bath salts and soaps and all of these things 
uh, aligned with the planetary energies that can help bring some wonderful energy into your life. Her business is called Third Coast Mojo. You can find her on Instagram, and there is an email list that you can sign up for when she is announcing new services and products, classes, etc. So do me a favor and support her and her work as well. She does great work. She's a wonderful person, and I love her a lot. So, so I hope that you will uh, show her the same kind of support that, uh, that she deserves. Uh, okay, I'm going to welcome some friends here. Um, Kate is here. Hello, Kate. Nice to see you. Has the moon on the ascendant right now. Okay. Well, I think it's the transiting moon on the ascendant, but maybe the moon on your ascendant. Who knows? We'll see. Rachel Fletcher is here with some beautiful fall colors. Happy Equinox from Roanoke, Virginia. Nice to see you, Rachel. Hope that you're doing well. Looking forward to chatting with you soon. Uh, hope everything is going well with all of you out there today. Again, if you are just joining us, please drop me a little note in the chat here today, and we will, you know, we'll say hi and see how everything's going. Um, all right, so this full moon, we are, as I'm recording this today, we are at the cusp of Libra season. It is the final days of Virgo season. You can feel the energy shifting underneath your feet as we prepare for the autumnal equinox in the northern hemisphere or the fall where we have equal day and equal night and the nighttime hours start to become longer than the daytime hours the dark part of the year so we're kind of getting ready to go uh internal for a rest um libra season often shows us some things that we need to rebalance it's often a very social time where we're having to understand someone else's perspective beyond our own and that is something we're probably going to see happening at this full moon in Aries, opposite the Libra sun as well. So this is going to be a big shift of energy starting tomorrow uh, on the, let's see, what's the date today? On the 23rd of September. So we are recording this on the 22nd. And by tomorrow, we're going to be having a whole new set of, I don't know, challenges, issues, benefits, uh, highlights, spotlights to deal with as the sun is going to shift from the Virgo area of our chart into the Libra area. So a really powerful new start. It's, it's not only a sign shift, but it's a start of an entirely new season, and that can bring with it completely new narratives. So we'll try to break that down as well today as well. We have another uh, new friend joining us. Zine Pears is here. Zini or Zine Pears? Nice to see you, friend. Yay, made it to a live cast. Hello from Vancouver Island, and happy Equinox to all. I love your mushroom and your clover emojis there, friend. Um, yeah, and you've got Saturn there hanging out as well. So uh, welcome. I'm glad you could join us for this live stream. I love all my friends over in the Vancouver area or the Vancouver Island area. I've got some, some friends out there that are wonderful folks. And someday I hope to visit that area of the world. It'd be, it's a really beautiful place and uh, just feels like there's good vibes. Don Fisher is joining us. Says, Hello, everyone from Mobile, Alabama. Happy Equinox to you as well, Rachel. Okay, yes, we've got friends joining up. A lot of people that join us each week. We're creating quite a beautiful community here, so it's really nice to see all you in the, um, in the chat here today. So we're talking about the fall, talking about the Equinox. I hope that all of you are feeling okay as we transition away from summer and into the fall season. I always feel a little bit uh, drained at the end of a season as we get ready to transition into a new one. You know, you get that little little bit of fatigue, like you're wrapping some things up and getting ready for that new start. So 
you know, if you're feeling a little bit like uh, tired today or like your energy is low or something, it's, it's normal. This is the kind of thing that happens as we switch signs. I've got my mate tea here in my beautiful upper peninsula of the Michigan moose mug that I received as a gift not too long ago. Well, actually, it was quite a bit of time ago now, but it feels like it wasn't that long ago. So get a little caffeine in your body, stay hydrated, get stretched out, and we will talk about the new moon. Beth is joining us. Hello, Beth. Hi, Spencer. Today is my wedding anniversary and a nose celebration. It is the last day of that marriage. Oh, my goodness, Beth. So many changes, right? So, well, I, that sounds like a bittersweet day for you, Beth. And I hope that you're, um, you know, hanging in there emotionally. And I know that's a, a time of liberation, but also maybe a time of like, you know, reflecting and things of that nature. It's perfect for the last day of the season. So you'll be feeling a shift of energy as well. So it's it's amazing how some of those things line up, right? When we're shifting energies in our lives and the seasons are shifting. I found a lot of joy and peace by, you know, connecting to nature and observing how those cycles play out, not only in nature and in my backyard and in my you know immediate environment, but also how they are metaphors and figurative languages for the seasons of our life that we're living through. So it's this is what's beautiful about studying astrology is being able to connect that to those natural cycles. Azure is here. Hello, tuning in from France, they say. Nice to see you, friend. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Dawn is saying, love that falls here in cooler temperatures as well. Still 95 in the afternoon, but, nine, but 60s in the a.m. is well received. Oof. Oh, boy, those Alabama, you know, late summer days and early fall days are still pretty hot down there. So hope you're keeping cool. Um, okay. So a couple people have anniversaries today. That's interesting. All right. So should we dive in? Let's take a look. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull this screen up. We'll do a couple things. We will look at the chart first, and then I will show you some previews from my Deccan webinars just to break down those two Deccans. And then we'll go into the, um, the rising sign treatment excuse me, of each of them. So here we see September, Friday, September 29th, so a week from today, 5.57 a.m. Eastern Time. We have the sun at six degrees of Libra and the moon at six degrees of Aries. Full moons are always oppositions between the sun and the moon. New moons are always conjunctions between those two bodies as well. So here we have a fire sign, moon, uh, a moon ruled by Mars and the sun ruled by Venus. Um, <clears throat> when we look at the, the host of this moon, it is going to be Mars, but it's Mars in Libra's sign, right? In, in the sun's sign right now and Venus's sign. So this is, uh, this is something where we're going to be, you know, working with some challenging energies couple things that just things that are popping out to me about this full moon the host of the new of the full moon excuse me is is mars in at 21 degrees of libra very close to the south node so mars in libra is said to be in its exile it is a, a place where mars is not exactly the most comfortable generally libra is a sign that is you know i would say dually ruled by venus and saturn so we have Venus being the ruler of the sign, Saturn being the exaltation of the sign. So when we combine those things, we have, 
you know, trying to smooth out interactions, trying to find out what is fair, trying to find out how to come into agreement with an other. There is an other quality in Libra. And Saturn brings us this quality of the embracing the darkness. We're transitioning to the dark part of the year. Saturn binds us through our commitments. So we have these commitments within relationships that we're dealing with quite often within Libra season. Now, because Mars is in Libra this year, we may be seeing the severing of commitments. And Beth provided us with a perfect example of this as she is going through a, a divorce and then a liberation, a severing of a vow or an agreement that they made in the, in the past that was no longer serving each of them in their respective lives. So you may be going through something like this as well, where there may be some agreement, some balance or harmony that is being released at this point. This full moon could be bringing us an awareness of that thing that needs to be released, severed, and separated. Now, Mars is hanging out with the south node. So the south node is also bringing us the energy of release, okay? Mars in and of itself cuts, severs, separates. And you can think of the south node, it can do a similar thing, but the south node is more like a drain. It's more like the energy leaving the physical plane on some level, or we're having to deal with things from our past. Now, one of the good news, you know, good news, bad news things about this is that oftentimes when we have a malefic planet like Mars conjoining the south node, it is a feeling of being released from some of the challenges that that planet may represent. Uh, so in this case, even though Mars is in an, a challenging position and it's in its exile and the opposite sign that it is most comfortable in, because Mars is the ruler of Aries, we may be seeing something leaving our life, like some kind of conflict in a relationship leaving our life, being resolved, uh, the loose end being tied up. Again, we'll, we'll go back to Beth's example. You know, there's a reason probably why the two of them were leaving this relationship. And thank you, Beth, for being so, so open and honest about your, your situation. It's, it's, a, it's a good teaching example, right? Uh, we always like to connect the astrology with lived examples. So in this case, in, in Beth's case, for example, she's, you know, moving on from a relationship that just wasn't, you know, that agreement wasn't working. It was probably bringing both of them stress on some level. So there might be some stressful type of situation with your own life that is leaving this physical plane that is being reduced. Now, that being said, the moon is in a place where we want independence. The moon is in a place where we sever and separate from the collective. Okay, look at the sign that comes before Aries. It's Pisces. Think about how merged Pisces is that season even in general where we have the, the mud and the water mixing in this undifferentiated state, right? This emotional state where we, we are feeling one with spirit or with the divine. Now, when we move into Aries, that Mars energy is severing and separating us from that collective. Maybe not completely. We still have a, maybe some ties to it potentially, right? But we are individuating to become an individual point of consciousness separate from the collective. Okay, and that is going to bring us sort of a, you know, an awareness of what we are not. Okay, 
what we are not. So there is this energy of rejecting something that we are not. Now, the sun in the first decan of Libra brings us this understanding of an alternate perspective than our own. So we have a very subjective perspective with the moon in Aries, especially the first decan of Aries. It's a Mars ruled decan. It's associated with the two of wands where we're trying to figure out which new territory we want to conquer in our lives, figuratively or literally. And the first decan of Libra is, uh, it is a, the two of, of swords card that is syncretized with that particular decan. And that is a place that is related to entering the underworld, like being able to see how, uh, how well we've lived a life eth ethically. Um, it's also about coming into awareness of an imbalance. Uh, there's a spirit associated with that Deccan called the Uranies, which were these grotesque, hideous monsters that people prayed to in ancient times to punish people who had gotten away with a crime. So there may be some righteous indignation or some righteous anger that comes up in the, during the first decan of Libra, or some kind of imbalance that we become aware of that will help us to eventually come into an agreement to increase that which is lacking and decrease that which is excessive. This is part of what Saturn does. This is part of why Saturn is exalted in Libra. Saturn, you know, you talk about the Orphic hymn to Saturn. They talk about both the qualities of increase and decrease associated with that sign. Oftentimes we think of Saturn as the no or, or a decreasing energy. But it is, I have found that over time, Saturn is more about restoring right proportion. And it is called the planet of Nemesis, which is, which is a deity that restored right proportion to the twists and turns of fate of 2K the random distribution of fate and fortune. So this may be a time where we're having to, through our own clarity, awareness, rationality, restoring balance to a situation that has become out of, out of whack or out of equilibrium. Kate says, Mars and Libra reminds me of dodging relationship bullets. Yeah, I mean, that's, that definitely could be part of it. Um, I think that there is a tendency with Mars and Libra, I've noticed in my own life, um, two things. It is an, a somewhat indirect Mars. So sometimes when we have a conflict, when Mars is in Libra, we put on a friendly face and then we kind of simmer and get angry after the fact. I've been going through that a little bit with like a, I have this in my third house of like neighbors and stuff. And you, you, if you followed the channel for any length of time, you know that I, you know, I have a little bit of a, a hermit's uh, disposition where I appreciate my privacy and my space. And I sort of kind of get a little bit frustrated with my neighbors at various points. Um, and I had a situation like this the other day where a neighbor had made a, an agreement to, you know, not encroach upon our space and then kind of went back on that agreement, which was very Mars and Libra. It was very much, and it's in the second decan of Libra right now, where it, that decan is associated with oaths and contracts. So you could see a severed oath or a contract, or an oath being your word. Back in ancient times, 
your they didn't not everybody knew how to write so an oath a, a spoken oath was very important to honor during that period of time and if you broke that oath it was a it was an enormous indiscretion right it was it was punishable by death in some you know some arrangements so it was something that was a lot more serious but can still be painful in our modern our modern uh, society so you know trying to figure out how to a deal with a conflict directly rather than indirectly rather than not dealing with it and simmering on it and then losing your cool about it later could be an issue um the other thing that can happen with mars and libra is that you get upset on someone else's behalf i've noticed this quite often with people that have mars and libra in their natal charts is sometimes they're cool cool customers when it comes to their own challenges and they they have difficulty speaking up for themselves but when it comes to defending someone else's interest they can be very formidable so this is something that could come up in this full moon as well as either being indirectly upset about something or or you know maybe i don't know if passive aggressive is the is the word but it could be like where you're festering on something where you were nice on the outside but you're secretly angry about it or it could be at something where you get upset about something on a, a behalf of a partner on behalf of an other where you're fighting for in for equality to to right a wrong and to to bring balance to a situation so those are things that could come up here as well Beth is saying 100% Spencer the astrological alignment of this process has been intensely on the spot well this is something that you know astrology can help us through these really challenging times right Beth this is something where it's really a gift to be able to understand not only the themes but the timing I found that to be the most helpful because sometimes when we're going through a difficult period there's a great sense of relief that happens when we know how long it's going to last we can hang in there for like a few more days if the if the transit's going to be over at a certain point we have the knowledge that the energy is going to shift if we don't like the circumstances we find ourselves in well just wait a few more days and then the energy will be different same thing for the good things in life we know that those good things are not going to last forever we don't uh you know hang our all of our hopes and dreams on every single good thing that comes our way in in hoping that it is permanent so it can help us to appreciate the moment as well and have gratitude for the the temporal moment and the good things that come to us as well so it's not just about avoiding the bad things it's about appreciating the good things too when we see these cycles kate says libra is my third house too my new neighbor just had his partner pass away oh i'm sorry kate yeah that's tough so so misfortune uh, reaching a neighbor you know like some sort this is also something that mars represents is something uh, a misfortune an injury an illness an accident a separation uh that isn't necessarily affecting us directly if it's in a cadent house like kate is sp speaking to but the people around us a neighbor a sibling an extended family member something of that nature um so yeah so i'm i'm sorry that that's going on and that can we can still be sensitive and feel those energies as well uh beth is saying uh, oh yes mars and libra justice warriors that's my son yeah so we all probably know somebody who has these placements and we can see that uh playing out in real time so full moons are always about really trying to hold dualities uh i really like the way that my 
one of my astrology teachers, Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, talked about oppositions. He talked a lot about uh, them not necessarily having to be completely reconciled. They don't always come into this perfect equilibrium. Sometimes we just have to accept that we may be pulled in a couple different directions. And in this case, we may be being pulled into a direction of our own self-interest and the need to balance out uh, other people's desires and needs as well. Um, so, you know, I'm again, I was I'm seeing this with a neighbor and sort of like space issues, like where they have needs, and I can understand their their perspective, and I also have a, a desire around that as well. And you are probably seeing this in your life right now too, in a certain area of your life, um, where you probably have a certain very subjective perspective on something, a, a very personal desire, but it is coming up against the needs of the others within your life. So I, it, I don't have a great answer about how to resolve all that. I think that we can understand it and everyone's going to come to their own conclusions about how that is going to work out. But there's a couple other things within this lunation that we should check out. First of all, we do have Venus making a trine, I'm sorry, square, square, excuse me, a square to Uranus. And this is not the first time that Venus has done this over the course of this past few months. Because of Venus's retrograde cycle, we had a number of other Venus Uranus squares as well. I remember there was one particular Venus Uranus square earlier in the summer where one of my caterpillars that I've been raising, monarch caterpillars, uh, decided to start going into uh, its chrysalis form um, <laughs> before I had put it in the right container or the right enclosure. I th had thought that I had a lot more time and that they were going to be fine in this much smaller enclosure. And this one decided, I'm big enough, <laughs> like I'm ready to change. And I was, it, it actually came detached from the place it was trying to, uh, you know, attach its, its silk pad to. And I had a reading that same day and I was, I, I was like, I've got an emergency. It was, it was, it, this happened right in the middle of like starting this, this reading. And I said, I've got a monarch emergency. Are, are we able to reschedule for like an hour? So I took an hour and I helped the monarch and I was able to tie his little silk pad back to the, the branch and everything was fine. And he was able to, um, to molt. But, but those are, th those are one, that's one example of, of Venus Uranus square. You know, you've got something related to nature that was somewhat out of your control with, with Uranus and Taurus. I've been talking about the third decan of Taurus as like humility in the face of nature, being able to make adjustments and, and atone for past mistakes. And in my case, I, I kind of didn't realize that the enclosure that they were in when I began was too small. So I had to take the time to, to, to remedy that mistake in the past. And it was kind of a, an unexpected kind of challenge, right? So there may be, again, some some relationship issues that come up that are a little bit unexpected or outside the box as well because venus is involved and venus is going to be the host of both the sun and mars so venus is going to be providing topics resources all of these kinds of things for the sun and mars and we again what what we were learning hopefully 
when Venus was moving through its retrograde cycle through Leo was how we can express our most authentic desires, right? How can we express our, our authenticity in our relationships? Which values, which is a Venus buzzword, are we willing to defend? You know, the, the, the Venus in the third decan of Leo is the Seven of Wands card, basically, where we are, it's a Mars world decan where we're trying to defend our authenticity. We're trying to say, which of these hills do we want to defend? Uh, how are we going to maintain our hard-won position? And Uranus is challenging that on some level. There may be a position that we may have to come off of on some level because of the square to Uranus. We may have to find a, an innovative solution to that. Um, a couple other planets involved potentially. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a couple that aren't going to be involved. Uh, we do have... Um, we do have Mercury in aversion to this lunation. So Mercury is not totally going to be super strong within the conversation. Um, we have a square to Pluto that is wide from Mars. So there's a wide Mars-Pluto square that is forming, but it's a couple days away. Saturn is in aversion. So we have, you know, basically Saturn's not, not too much in this conversation potentially. So we're really dealing mostly with the sun-moon opposition, Mars being co-present and opposite by a whole sign, Mars being conjoined the south node, the Venus-Uranus square, and on some level the Venus-Jupiter square. Okay, that's separating, but it, it's still active by whole sign. And a forming Mars-Pluto square. Now, the Mars-Pluto square is really interesting because this is something where we're going to, through Libra season, we are going to see a number of planets, Mars, okay, the Sun, and then Mercury, square Pluto, throughout eclipse season. So, you preface all of this with saying that we are heading into an eclipse that's going to happen on October the 14th. And then we're going to have a period of time in between eclipses where we have another eclipse on October the 28th. Those are enormous chapter markers. So we are going to be getting an entirely new story that's going to be unfolding around that period of time. And a lot of it may include having to deal with some things that have been repressed. Um, the Mars-Pluto one is always a little bit sticky. You want to be very careful about how you express your uh, frustration around this period of time. You want to make sure that if you get into an argument about how fair something is or not fair, that you maintain your integrity. It's very easy to lose your cool and to have your, your anger erupt like a volcano, like a volcanic eruption when that happens. So when we become aware of our needs versus someone else's, we're going to have to kind of be very judicious which is a good Libra word, judicious. I remember also Dana Carvey, if you remember, I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember Dana Carvey, but in his uh, stand-up, he, he was talking about the judicious system. <laughs> you know, I say it in this weird way, but we should be judicious about how we express our discontent. Because we don't want to blow up a conflict and make it worse than it, than it needs to be. Okay, I'm going to... Welcome a couple more friends here today. Carol from Mass is here. It says Venus is in Aries, also Mercury. So Carol's Venus is in Aries and also Mercury. Okay, so you're probably going to be feeling this one pretty intensely, Carol. Uh, Julene is here. Hi, Spencer. Good to catch you. Good to see you, Julene. 
Um, hope you're doing well down there in uh, the sunny Southwest. Cardinals are looking a little little better than first thought, even though the record doesn't necessarily reflect that. But pray for my fantasy starting running back James Conner to have a good week this week against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Tough D you got going on there this week there, Julian. Tough defense than Dallas there. Luna Storm is here. Hello all on this nice fall day. Uh, hello, friend. Nice to see you. Uh, Beth just said, I just noticed that Mars in this uh, lunation, in this lunatics, <laughs> this lunation, is the degree of the new moon. Yes, that is a great point, Beth. So what Beth is pointing out is that, let's get rid of all this extra stuff here, that Mars at 21 degrees of Libra is at the exact degree of the new moon solar eclipse that's coming on October the 14th. So the conflict that we may be dealing with around this period of time could be playing out into eclipse season, could be reflected in the changes that are happening during eclipse season. Um, you know, my own inner dialogue around some of these things, I got to say, like, I just get sometimes very frustrated sometimes with situations that aren't my ideal. And I'm sure some of you can relate to this. Like we all have various levels of being able to deal with things that aren't uh, perfect in our lives and things like that. And my, sometimes when I get frustrated with like neighbors and stuff, my brain starts going off in these almost extreme directions about fantasizing about off-grid cabins and rustic locations, uh, off-grid living, all this kind of thing. Um, so I guess I would be a little bit careful about where the, the discontent takes you. It's okay to dream a little bit. It's okay to fantasize. It's okay, I think, to spend a little bit of time. If, like, in, in my case, I'll I get on Zillow and dream a little bit like the SNL skit of how millennials can go on Zillow and dream a little bit. But at the end of the day, there, there are certain things that are within your power to change in the immediate future. And there are other things that you will need to endure. And remember, Libra is the exaltation of Saturn, which is the quintessential planet of endurance. So as tough as things might be, tapping into that type of energy can be very powerful around this period of time, especially when you're realizing something that isn't quite fair, that isn't quite exactly what you want. Being able to tap into that endurance energy can be really powerful. Uh, Julian says, they looked better against the Giants, but it's the Giants. <laughs> Tough break for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, J Julian and I are talking some football here today. And um, yeah, the, the Cardinals, who did they play in the first week? I can't remember. I think they got they got spanked pretty bad in the first week, and then they had a really a nail biter against the Giants, um, who had their who had their own challenges in Week One against Dallas, and just really really looked terrible. Um, but yeah, it's fun to kind of follow along with that. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it's definitely a tough break. I think everybody in the NFL loses out for not being able to watch a talented slinger of the football. But Julie, at the end of the day. He's not a Green Bay Packer anymore, so I have to, I have to kind of move on. And um, but it did affect the Packers and the draft pick compensation that they would receive for him, which was a huge bummer. 
So I wish Aaron Rodgers well on his journey, and hopefully he doesn't go too far down the conspiracy theory rabbit holes during his time off from football. Okay. Uh, Kate says, my lord of fortune, is, or lot of fortune, is 21 Libra, and the moon is 22 Aries. So interested to see how these eclipses play out. Okay. Yeah, I have this. I have this, the lot of spirit at 21 Libra, Kate, so... I'm right there with you with having some stuff on this <laughs> eclipse on this uh, this energetic place. Um, Julian says, James Conner is great. I followed him when he was with the Steelers. Solid player. Yeah, he's, he's been really good for my fantasy team so far. Very solid, even though the team isn't, you know, the, a top team. He still has been pretty productive. Okay, friends, let's keep ro rolling along here. Um, so... We have the opposition of the sun and the moon. Mars is the host of the lunation. Mars is conjoining the south node. Uh, Venus is squared Uranus. Mars is coming into a square with Pluto. So those are our big things to keep an eye on for, the, for this as well. The other thing that is sort of happening within this that we probably shouldn't ignore because it'll come back to bite us is Mercury is, is forming an opposition to, to Neptune as well. And this is a little bit problematic for uh, clarity around around details around form versus essence we may have to really double check our communications with other people around this this full moon as well communications are always a little bit extra emotional around full moons anyway but we could be expressing ourselves in a way that is muddy and i think that striving for clarity and asking for clarity if you are confused rather than making an assumption is is good practice around this period of time we talk about the four agreements sometimes and you know not not making assumptions is one of those four agreements that can that alone can eliminate a lot of con conflicting situations um, just by truly understanding the other person's perspective rather than having some kind of fear-based dream about it some fear-based assumption uh, it's really easy to do because at the end of the day, most human beings don't enjoy conflicts. There are the, the, the select few that do, but most of us don't want to get into arguments. Most of us prefer peace. And oftentimes we will avoid communicating with people because we are afraid of a conflict. And this could be something that comes up around this lunation as well as is we are because of our our fear of rocking the boat because of our fear of disrupting our perceived peace with others which probably isn't really peace sometimes if we're feeling this inner resentment building or something like that it's eventually going to bubble over and, and especially with mars pluto so you don't want to repress that for for very long but when you do have the conversation strive for clarity ask a lot of questions reflect back the uh, what you have heard from the other party so that you can be sure that you heard what they meant to say. This is something that I do with every single reading that I do, is I have people fill out an intake form describing the challenges that they would like to focus on in our reading. And I, I take the first 10 minutes or so of each reading to reflect back to them what they put in that intake form to make sure that I am clear on what their challenges are. 
so that if they want to clarify something or add something to the story and the narrative, they have the opportunity to do so. Because a chart can tell us a lot of different things. Even one particular symbol can be multivalent. It can speak to many different situations. So we are adjusting the lens that we look at the chart from or to through the question that we are asking it. Think about it like the optometrist lenses that we're constantly adjusting. They're like lens one or lens two, lens one or lens two. You know, like lens one could be a completely different question. Whereas, because each of the houses represents a number of different topics. The third house could be related to an issue with a sibling, but the third house could also be related to the short daily journeys that you make in your life, the errands that you have to deal with in your life. It also could be neighbors. So knowing the difference between the type of question that someone is asking is very important. And we can, we can utilize that in our daily lives as well to get clarity, to be able to strive for understanding with others as well. Uh, Kate says, maybe laying down your swords either by strategy or distraction, wishful thinking or misinformation. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, the issue when we're striving for clarity is to assume positive intent, right? If we go into a situation assuming negative intent or assuming that we will have to deal with a conflict, that already puts us behind the eight ball being able to create a, a win-win situation. So that's a good point. Okay, so that is what we are looking at with this particular lunation. So what I'd like to do is I'm just going to briefly show you uh, a couple of clips from my Deccan's webinar. We'll start with where the sun is. Oops. So this is yeah. So this is where the sun is in Libra one. So you can see here, like this is sort of a preview of of some of the material that you would get in the Deccan walk, or if you would like to purchase the Deccans of Libra webinar separately. These are uh, there's 30 plus slides in each of these webinars where we go over fixed stars, we go over mythologies, we go over uh, spirits associated with each Deccan. And included in the price of the Deccan walk is all 12 of these Deccan webinars. So here is Libra one. And here you see a blindfolded figure with the two swords standing on the edge of the uh, a, a different experience. Um, there is a also a story associated with this decan of Mott of weight, weighing the heart against the weight of a feather uh, and not being able to go into the next life until the two balance out. So themes that we're experiencing, the awareness of the other, righteous indignation, fighting for the underdog, remember fighting for someone who is not necessarily us, right? Fighting for someone else's interest. Social justice, like being able to right a wrong in a, in a social environment. Um, exposure of inequality. Remember, the beginning of a sign shows us the work that we're going to need to do on some level. And then we'd spend the rest of the sign doing the work. So Libra is not always balanced. Sometimes we are, become aware of the imbalance so that we can do the, the hard work of coming to a, a fortuitous agreement and an equilibrium. Uh, sounding the alarm or whistleblowing, which, which go, goes along with that. Um, some questions some questions we can ask ourselves during this time as the sun moves into the first decade of Libra at the fall equinox. What is fair? What does that mean to you? What is sometimes we don't even agree on what is fair. Uh, we may think something is unfair and unjust, but it may objectively be fair. Uh, 
sometimes things are fair and we're not completely aware of it. Sometimes life isn't fair. Like we, we can strive for equality and, and homeostasis as much as we want, but the, the sad fact of the matter is sometimes life is not, does not equally distribute, it doesn't equally distribute wealth, it doesn't equally distribute health, it doesn't equally distribute anything. So we have to do the work as human beings to figure out what is equitable for multiple parties when we have to live together. Uh, has there been an ethical breach? You may, something like that may, may come up around this period of time. What is disturbing harmony, right? We all, Libran and all Venus signs would like things to be peaceful. Taurus tends to, to find peace through the body, through an inner experience, through food, through nature, through sleep, through affection. Libra is more about the ideal of peace itself. So there is, this is why we are associating laws often with Libra. Okay, both of the, the pure Saturn signs on some level, the exalt, exaltation of Saturn in Libra and then Saturn in Aquarius, are, are both of them are associated with lawmaking because Saturn often shows us the blueprints of our idealistic arrangements that are social, that are including the needs of the multitude. Uh, so what laws will help foster unity? Maybe there needs to be a new agreement. Maybe you need to discuss how to put something in writing or how to, to make a social agreement with people. So much of our society are these unspoken agreements between people where if we break those agreements, it tends to fall apart. Sometimes we codify those agreements into law. Other times there are these unspoken relationships between one another and Libra can represent both. So what darkness in your life has been exposed? Remember, we're heading into the, the dark part of the year. We are heading into the, the part of the year that is related to uh, the dark hours increasing, right? The, the nighttime hours becoming longer than the daytime. So that is something that we will be experiencing. Uh, we may feel a desire to start to retreat into our own hibernation sequence, and that's okay. I know that Libra is often associated with being social, but I think that sometimes we may feel like retreating in Libra season as well, because we are starting to get into this uh, hibernation mode, right? Where we may be tired from the year. We may want to sit and reflect on, on how things have gone in the past. We may want to go into our, our dens, uh, into the underworld to be able to evaluate our, our, how our actions, what our actions brought us uh, in the, the year previous. And then finally, what is not me? This is, this is important. We, we tend to be very subjective generally about our experience of the world. And people have different levels of subjectivity and objectivity. But, you know, oftentimes we are, it's, it's very difficult to get outside of our own worldview. And Libra season can show us that with, with an intensity. So, uh, you know, being open to listening to someone else's perspective, to seeing things through someone else's eyes and taking the time to, to take a few steps in their shoes can be important during the season and can lead to much better outcomes. I often find Libra season somewhat frustrating. As a Leo rising, I kind of want to do what I want to do most of the time. And having to make adjustments for someone else's vision isn't always comfortable. Um, 
it doesn't mean I can't do it. It just means that it's not a season that I, I, some, I, I enjoy all that much because I just would rather just be independent. And Libra season often shows us the places where we, where we have to work together with others in partnership or where we can be stronger by working together with others in partnership. So I'm going to check in with the chat here. That is Libra one, and we'll talk about Aries one in a second. Kate says, I'm always uh, trying to think of it in different ways here. Oh, let's see. I missed a few. Uh, Kate says, like when a company submits a bid and the process starts, but no one knows who gets the contract, right? Okay, so we're submitting bids during this season, right? Uh, Dimphy's here. Says, hi, a bit late. Nice to be here. Uh, nice to see you, Dimphony. Dimphony. <laughs> Dimphy. <laughs> You're a Dimphony. A symphony of Dimphy. Uh, Kate says, just trying to think of things in different ways. I'm always excited when we get to this part, when we put up the deck and slides. Yeah, I, I try to share that information, as much of that as I can. Um, again, I go into much more depth when you purchase the webinars. So if you like that stuff and you want to support the work that I do, that's a great way to support the channel. Um, I try to give as way as much of the things as I can, but there's bills to pay as well. And that's a great way to support the channel. Another way to support the channel, friends, if you're enjoying these uh, free live talks, is to hit that little dollar sign in the chat and make a super chat donation or a super sticker donation. That really helps me keep the lights on here um, and do all the things that need to be done to be able to continue to do the research and bring you uh, the sky weather each week. Um, you can also make a donation at PayPal me or buymeacoffee.com. And I also have a Venmo as well. I appreciate all the people who are super generous in these chats too. Um, Don says, I'm over here stomping my foot at the moment at work. All about inequality and BS. Literally sent an email this morning to HR. Oh my goodness. Yeah, see, you're getting ready. <laughs> you're in alignment with that, uh, that Mars and Libra energy, Don, right? Okay, so Kate says the word authority comes to mind with Venus and Leo, Mars and Libra. Yeah, the air and fire. And this could be something to think about. Um, because Venus is the host of Mars and the Sun in that particular lunation, some of the things that might be mo motivating our righteous indignation may be respect issues, right? Maybe people treating us the way that we want to be treated that reflects our authentic self. Um, maybe it's territorial and respect issues as well, defending our turf, defending our territory. That's part of the, you know, I try to, I try to be honest about the f follies that I have in my own life. And that's kind of one of the challenges I've been going through for quite a bit of time now is sort of space issues. And that's one of the things that's going on with me and one neighbor is some, some parking issues with a shared driveway. And I'm trying to be zen and cool about it, but the Leo three rising in me with with Vetus there now squaring Uranus is like, ah, you told me you wouldn't park in my driveway and now you're still doing it. Please stop doing that because <laughs> it's sort of a breaking of the word, right? It's, it feels like a disrespect. So be careful about how you react to perceived disrespects around this period of time as well. We may just have to let some of those things go. And I've talked about that in this channel. I understand that there will be situations in our life where to keep the peace, we have to let some little things go. But also, there may be some things where just communicating and setting a healthy boundary may be the way forward as well. Okay, I'm going to bring up something else here. 
do me a huge favor, folks. If you're enjoying the show today, please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Leave me a comment. Let me know that you're here. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Aries slides uh, for a second, and then we're going to take the lunation through the houses, and we should be wrapped up by 4 o'clock. We've been really on path these last few weeks, on track with, with managing our time here. Okay. So, Aries 1. You could see this in the description of my video here and then the promotion I did around it. I've been creating realistic images that reflect the, the tarot images for these, these talks. And in Aries 1, you see a figure holding a globe and a staff. So we've got two wands in the card and someone looking out over their dominion, their domain, the bay of the castle. Okay, so there is this, this energy of trying to figure out what type of new process someone wants to uh, conquer, right? There's a conquering energy with this. There is, there is some challenging uh, thematic material around colonialism at this time period that this deck was made, and maybe still today. So we may have to decolonize our thinking around it, but the, the, the original intent with this deck was they called it the Lord of Dominion, so this was a figure like like uh, Alexander the Great, who was trying to to look out and see which new territory he wanted to conquer. And that we can think about this metaphorically now too. We don't have to literally go in and uh, conquer a territory, but there may be something new in our life that we want to to do, that we want to expand, or that we want to become. So that's the energy that we're dealing with here too. And to do that. We need to separate from, from that which we have been attached to. Um, look through the chat here. Look through the chat, chat, chat. Don says, hmm, uh, my Scorpio stellium would light up and I'd park sideways and block them in. <laughs> oh, Don. Oh, Don. That's a great way for me to have an ongoing super conflict with my neighbors. Um, I've had discussions. I've, I have had discussions, but it's always a fine line. And sometimes when you escalate a conflict like that, it just doesn't bring you any peace. I, I, I told the story of a neighbor that I was having a similar conflict with who was coming in. I have weird issues with neighbors. I have Pluto in the third house and um, my relationship with neighbors has always been a little dicey. Uh, I had a neighbor that was coming into my yard who loved animals, but had some had some mental health challenges, and they were wanting to feed baby groundhogs in my yard, but they were just walking into my yard every day to do it, and that didn't make me feel very comfortable. That made me feel a little bit unsafe, um, uh, and I had the conversation with them setting a strong boundary and I was somewhat emotional about it. I didn't feel like I was being severe, but they took it very severely and then started shouting at me across the street every time I'd go for a walk, telling me and my partner how much of assholes we were. And eventually we had to have a, I guess what you'd call a come to Jesus talk with her to be like, look, I'm sorry if you felt like this was too intense. Can we just move on with this? You know, you don't have to come in my yard, but let's not continue this conflict. I would also appreciate it if you wouldn't yell at me from across the street every time we go for a walk. 
So again, my point being is that sometimes when you set a boundary, you have to be careful about how you do it so that you don't escalate the conflict. So it, it takes a lot of social grace. This is why we're dealing with in Libra season. We're trying to understand other people's perspectives as well. Um, Kate says, I'm a teensy worried about the outside authority intervention in my life. Oh, yeah, that, that could be something that could happen around this period, too. Kate says, it's time for a party at Spencer's. Everyone park in the driveway. No, <laughs> no, no, Kate. That has happened in the past. I've, I have had, we're all just squeezed together in this little, I live in a house that is very close to houses that are multi-unit, multi-family homes. So there are a lot of people in and out. And when they do have people over, it is a problem. But we'll try not to belabor that point too much here. I use it as an example because it does feel poignant when I experience something. Like when I had that breach of trust, there was the moon was applying to Mars. And it was um, there was a square from that Mars to my natal sun. So, so you can see these timings play out. Okay, You can see them all happening in real time. And being able to connect those events to your lived experience is one of the most important astrological studies that you can do. Because in that moment, you can look at the chart and be like, oh, okay, this, I understand what's happening. I understand the, the antidote to this as well. The antidote to this is to be clear, is to not escalate a conflict. It's to, to state your position and then see if you can find a win-win situation potentially. Okay, uh, Kate says, if one of my neighbors filled up their bathtub with gasoline and filled the rest of their apartment with propane tanks. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Kate, where are you living again? Are you, Don's the one in Alabama, right? Like, where, where are you? <laughs> like, it's, that's next level. Um, I'm sure we all have crazy neighbor stories though, right? So, so hopefully, so I'm sorry, I just left chuckling at this. I have a feeling that no matter where I try to go, how far away I try to go, there's always going to be something. Um, so we'll see. So let's talk Aries 1. Aries 1 is the severing of the umbilical cord. It is being able to separate yourself from that collective. Uh, we talk about chokmah and atsula. This is related to the, the Kabbalistic tree of life. Hokma being the flash of insight. So this may be a flash of inspiration that we get at this full moon as well about how to balance out our own personal needs with the needs of other. Uh, and when we have the sun in Libra 1, we're getting a flash of insight into what someone else wants or desires potentially. Um, the splitting of the one, the splitting, the cellular mitosis, right? We, we were unified and now we are splitting into two. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your super stickers. I appreciate you. Always appreciate your generosity every week. It is such a blessing and a gift, and I'm so happy that you are here with us in this community today. And hello to Jennifer. Nice to see you, friend. Um, let's see. Raw force, undiluted yang. Okay, so we have a social yang energy with Libra, but there is some yin qualities to that sign as well, especially because we're heading into the yin or dark period of the year. But Aries, the moon in Aries 1 is very young. It is like double Mars, okay? It is Mars. It's a Mars decan. It's a Mars sign. It is very martial. 
it is very much like brute force to overcome something rather than the the social graces that you may normally experience when you're trying to resolve something with Libran energy. Uh, the sperm breaking through the wall of the ovum. Sometimes we need that yang force to be able to make a new start. So this could be that, that type of energy as well. The bursting of the seed husk. So questions is that you could ask yourself during this moon. How can you individuate? What is not you? What is? Okay, a similar question we asked with Libra, right? Uh, how can you break new ground? Where is brute force necessary and where is it excessive? This is a good question to ask yourself. Brute force isn't always the way to get what you want. Um, I've learned that the hard way. Uh, I, I don't tend to use brute force like Aries force, but Leo has a different type of brute force. Leo has this kind of, mm, this roaring energy. We can make quite a fuss over something instead, and, and it's not violent necessarily, but it's, it's more like, it can be very haughty, I guess I would say. Sort of like, a, I, always, I always talk to my Leo clients, like, look, like, do you ever look around like this, where you look around, like, if you're in a conflict, like, who are you talking to? It can't possibly be me if someone is disrespecting you. Like, like I'm, I'm royalty. You can't speak to me that way type of deal. That's a very Leo way of doing something, where if you, if you, have, if you just respect an Aries, they're more likely just to headbutt you rather than to, you know, have this righteous indignation, like like a royal dignitary scoffing at you, you know. Like so. uh, what new territory do you want to conquer? What new beginning is worth fighting for? Oh, thank you so much, Beth, for the super sticker today. Appreciate you, friend, and good luck with with everything with your your new chapter in life. I know it's there's some painful things associated with that, but there's probably definitely some some new hope as well. So so uh, hoping for the best for you. Okay, so that is our, our two of wands experience. And again, I will reiterate, we are going to have, uh, we're going to explore all these decans in the Deccan walk. Okay, so we're going to be starting that journey on October the 2nd. If you want to sign up, if you've been on the fence, if you have questions, you're running out of time. Time is now to sign up. Time is now to reach out for a payment plan. Uh, the time is now to... Uh, you know, if you, if you do pay in full, you will get a $100 gift certificate off of any reading that I do as well. So that's another little perk if you're able to do that. Um, yeah, I would love for you to join me on this journey. Potentially, registration does end on the 30th of September. So make sure that you get in in that amount of time so that you don't miss out. Okay, friends. So we've broken down the themes of Libra. We've broken down the themes of Aries. We've looked at some of the peripheral things within the lunation itself with the square with Venus and Uranus. We've looked at Mars conjoining the south node. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take this lunation through the houses. And I am going to start with the Libra rising. Okay. So what I've been doing is I've been starting where the sun is to make it fair so that we don't always start with Aries rising. We don't always start with the same rising sign. So Libra, cheers to you. Thank you for being patient, all of you Libra risings, and we will see uh, how we can make this work here for you. So Libra rising, this is a big one for you. So every time we look at lunations, we are looking at whether it is angular uh, or Cadent or succeeding. And those are fancy words 
for uh, a, a lunation either affecting you directly or affecting potentially people close to you. We always want to pay attention to angular new moons, full moons, and eclipses because they will be very personal for us. And in this case, Libra rising, you have a full moon of your first and seventh house axis. You have the sun lighting up your, your personal desires, okay? You have Mars moving through your first house, coming in alignment with the south node, potentially bringing you a letting go in a relationship issue or challenge, or potentially related to a financial issue. Okay, so these are these are this is how we do Hellenistic astrology is we're looking at guest host relationships. So in this case, Mars is ruling both the second and the seventh house. So those topics are connected for Libra rising. So there may be a relationship issue that is coming to a head where you are trying to assert your independence within a relationship issue. You may have some unexpected Venusian challenges over your 11th and 8th house axis. Okay, where there may be some unexpected expenses or debts or something of that nature or some something related to benefits that you receive from the government due to Venus being in your 11th house. This could also be something with friendships. There could be something related to legacies as well. And just be very careful that Libra rising, that the, whatever challenges come up over this period of time, that you don't allow those conflicts to get, uh, to, to destabilize your domestic living situation because Mars is going to be coming into a square with Pluto from the fir your first house to your fourth house. So this could this could really be a, a volcanic disruption um, in your living situation if the relationship challenge gets too far out of hand. So, so be careful with that and try to find a win-win situation potentially. Okay. Um, Michelle says, this is my nodal return Aries and Libra axis. Oh boy, you're going to have a fun eclipse season, Michelle. And these eclipses, I believe, are going to be angular for you, Michelle, because I, I seem to remember that you are a Capricorn rising. So they will be in your 10th and 4th house. So once we get to Capricorn, I'll break that down for you. Kate says, I do love the tarot card for this decade, especially for Beth. Like holding the world in your hands, a new adventure on the horizon. Yeah, you can think about it as a as a wonderful new start too, right? By by being able to separate from a relationship that isn't serving you anymore, it, it helps you to move on to a new sense of independence, right? And that can be in, invigorating. So not all endings are necessarily bad, right? Some some endings can really, you know, every every beginning um, starts from some other beginning's end. That's the one of the lines from Closing Time, Semisonic, if you for you '90s kids out there. Uh, Kate says Neptune Mercury might add a little bit of wonderment for what things could be like. Yes, wonderment can be a good thing. Wonderment can also lead us to, in a direction that could be challenging. Also, so just be careful that when you are visualizing the new area that you want to, uh, the new start that you want to make, that you're being realistic about what is possible and what isn't. All right. Yes, Cap Rising. Michelle says. Okay, so Libra rising, hang in there. I know that having Mars in your first house is not ideal, uh, that you'd probably prefer peace over the alternative. There just may be some things where you have to stand up for yourself around this period of time as well. To, to be able to, to make peace sometimes, sometimes we do have to face conflict head on. It's, there's, it's paradoxical. 
sometimes to alleviate a conflict, we have to be peaceful. I, I, it's, it's, it's crazy how that works sometimes. Okay, let's move on. Scorpio rising. Scorpio. Hello, Scorpios. So Scorpio rising. Scorpio rising, you're having this lunation uh, over the 12th and the 6th house axis. So Scorpio rising, Scorpio rising, your ascendant ruler Mars is in the 12th, conjoining the south node and the host of this lunation. I'm guessing that you Scorpio risings are feeling a little burnt out right now, that your vitality is probably feeling pretty low whether it's through an illness or an injury, or whether it's just through being overworked over a long period of time or having an emotional issue with partners and things of that nature, especially with the Venus Uranus square over your 10th and 7th house, there could be a lot of energy where you were reevaluating uh, what you did with your work and your job and things of that nature um, that could start to be moving forward now, but now there's some unexpected challenges that are coming up between you and a partner, whether it's a business partner or a romantic partner. Um, oftentimes when we, when we see the sun transiting through the 12th house, all we wanna do is rest and retreat. It's a great time for a vacation. The challenge with this though, is that every time we have Mars in the 12th house though, from my personal experience, it's difficult to get that rest, that there is just some conflict or irritant behind the scenes that is disrupting our dreams, our peace, our sleep. 12th house can be associated with sleep sometimes. So hang in there. Uh, use this time to rest if you can. Release some of the, uh, the, the anger or anything that could be coming up in a relationship issue potentially. And try to give yourself that, that pregnant pause before the new start. Because once the sun moves into your first house, you're going to feel re rejuvenated and regenerated in the, in the spooky season that, that is, uh, prefaces Halloween, right? So just hang in there for a little bit here. Um, try not to get into too many conflicts with neighbors, siblings, extended family members, because you have a Mars uh, Pluto square over the 12th and 3rd house axis here. And that could lead to some, some, some dark, dark exchanges if not handled with grace. Okay. Uh, Luna Storm says, Sag Rising needs some good news. I'll see what I can do. You're next on the agenda here. Uh, let's, so let's go to that Sag Rising. Uh, Kate says, learn somewhere that Mars Transit 12th House can be like disturbing the peace. You might have taught me that, Spencer. Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair assessment. Um, I have experienced that in my personal life where when we have Mars in the 12th, it, it is just a disruptive influence. Like it could mean that our enemies are strong. It could mean that there's just something that isn't allowing us to get sleep. Like I remember with Mars in my 12th house a few years ago, there was construction happening in my neighborhood that just it was making it hard to relax. I couldn't like go out in my yard because it was just loud and there was jackhammers everywhere. I have a Cancerian 12th house. So I think there was also some family situations that were making it hard for me to relax during that time as well. So look at the nature of your 12th house to, to find out what kind of disturbances could be happening, what kind of topics could be related to. 
So first for the Scorpio rising that I was just talking about, it could be relationship challenges that could be so relationship conflicts will make it hard for you to find peace and for it to, you to relax. Michelle says, Spencer, I have a good friend who is a Scorpio rising and is going through a tough time with her husband and his work, plus dealing with the demands of a toddler. Oh, yes, it's perfect. See, so she was having this, the, the Venus Uranus square uh, over the 10th and the fourth house. Um, having a relationship challenge that was disturbing the peace and the sleep. I mean, it all seems to be uh, working out there too. Also with the toddler type of thing, she's got Saturn retrograding through her fifth house as well, which is a lot of responsibility with a, potentially with a child. And it can make it very difficult to, to relax when that's happening at the beginning stages of parenting as well. Okay. So, Sag rising, you said you need some good news. Well, let's, I'll see what I can do. I, I am merely an interpreter of the stars. I don't control their movements. <laughs> so, the news is the news, right? We can try to figure out ways to deal with it, whether it's good or bad. But you are having a full moon over your 11th and 5th house axes. There could be something coming to a head with a group that you are a part of. There could be a severing from a potential group uh, or through a, of a conflict with a group that you've been a part of for a long period of time. Um, there could be something coming to a head with your desire to express your personal play, uh, self creatively versus the needs of a group that could be showing you something that's out of balance. Oftentimes, we have the need to sublimate our personal creativity for the needs of a, an altruistic group that we are a part of. And that may be challenging for you around this period of time, Sagittarius, because you may have your own designs about what you want to happen. Uh, there will be a square between Venus and Uranus over your ninth and sixth house. So this could be something where some unexpected potential, I don't know, I, I hate to use the word this word, but it could be some misfortune that comes to you, uh, could be making it difficult to do some traveling or to do some, like take a trip. I know a lot of Sag Risings love to, to be in motion and to do some long distance traveling. There could be some unexpected things that are coming up that could uh, challenge that on some level. It could also be a belief system that you have around your work as well. Like Sixth House can also be the, the drudgery that we do that we don't get a lot of credit for. And you may be feeling like you want a little bit more acknowledgement for the work that you are doing with Venus hanging out in Leo in the ninth house. Um, but there could be some circumstances outside of your control that are, are making that a little bit difficult at this point. Um, you still have Saturn retrograding through your fourth house. Sorry to say, there's there are responsibilities within your domestic situation, Sagittarius rising. But the good news is, is that Saturn's going to start stationing direct on November the fourth. So that, that the situation is going to start to hopefully, I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to alleviate or abate, but you may be more capable of understanding what your responsibilities are and being able to deal with them with more clarity moving forward. Just be very careful if there is uh, a, pr a proposal that comes through your work. Be sure you get all the details if there's a contract or something like that as well. And make sure that whatever the proposal is, isn't necessarily like too good to be true or something like that. I was working with a Sag Rising client previously and a few weeks ago, 
and there was a, a situation where there was something like a, a benefactor that that could be good or could be uh, it could present some problems. So I'm just I was thinking about them when I was saying that is that there could be something that seems too good to be true, and so you want to protect your own interests with that as well. Oftentimes, a Sagittarius rising will hope just take the leap and hope for the best. But I would encourage you to to really examine uh, all of the details if something like that is presented to you around this period of time. Um, Jennifer says, Sag rising father just out of the hospital again. Lucky it was only in a few days. Yeah, so there's, this is, here's something else to consider. Jennifer, uh, Sag rising right now, their ascendant ruler right, the ruler of their first house, is in the sixth house, dealing with an injury or an illness, and it's retrograde. Jupiter is in Taurus, retrograde. So reviewing an illness, maybe going back to the hospital to deal with something that had been previously dealt with, but hadn't been worked out completely. Is that the situation that was going on with your with your father? Um, so that would be something I, I would think could be the case as well. Maybe even also reviewing the doctor that you work with or the practitioner that you work with because the sixth house can be related to people that we employ to do a service for us as well. Um, one thing I will say for you Sedge Risings, Jupiter is going to station direct on uh, December the 30th. So if, if you're waiting for some clarity in a sixth house matter related to your health or the health of someone you care about, you might start to get some clarity around the end of the year. Okay, Kate says, Luna, this live started with Sag Moon Rising and the Ascendant. I believe it's a good omen for you. Yes, well, it might be. Hopefully this is good news for you, Luna. I mean, this lunation, this lunation is a little sticky. I mean, it doesn't look like the most fun full moon, especially with Mars uh, as the host. Um, one thing I didn't mention is that the first aspect that the moon is going to make is... Uh, Let's see. Let me think about this for a second. I believe it's going to be a conjunction with Mars. Oh, no, an opposition. Excuse me, an opposition with Mars. So once, once the moon escapes from the bond, I had it right in my notes, but then I was overthinking it. Um, so you can see here the moon at six degrees of Aries. Once it gets outside of a 15-degree opposition, it's going to make an opposition to Mars. So this, this is one thing that I look for to, f to figure out if a lunation is going to be uh, more positive or more challenging. And when we have a hard aspect with a malefic that's not dignified, that can speak to some, some challenges. So, you know... The moon is going to make that first aspect in the third decan of Aries. So we may have to use our powers of charisma to overcome that challenge. That third decan of Aries really speaks to using your sense of humor, you know, utilizing your social charm, your grace to be able to, to win someone over to your side. And that there may be some challenges to doing that because Mars, Mars is really like, uh, you know, it's severing uh, agreements in that, in that area of the zodiac. Oh, just looking through the chat here. Okay. Oh no, Don. Don's getting more stressful news. I'm sorry, Don. 
we'll hang in there. Hopefully we're not adding to the stress here today and we're just, we can talk about stressful things, but hopefully we'll find ways to deal with it. And maybe that'll bring you a sense of peace. We can't always change the, the events that come to us, but we can change how we react to them in real time. <laughs> Don says that they don't have any social graces or charisma. They're screwed. <laughs> oh, no. Well, no time like today to start developing those, those skills for my friend. Uh, Kate says, I think Libra tends to bring in the Saturn aspect, and I think of masks, social rules, and control. Um, definitely Saturn is a concealer of things, right? It is something that, that casts things into darkness or into exile sometimes. So I think you're definitely on the right track with that. Uh, okay. So I'm going to keep going. So hopefully Sadrising, that will help you to understand what's coming for you at the lunation. Something coming to a head with a, a child or a personal creative, creative experience. That is where you're trying to balance out the needs of a group. I could see like, like maybe you have a daycare center or something like this is just a random example. If you have kids, like you're, you're working through the needs of the school or the daycare, but you have different ideas about playtime or something like that, right? With the fifth house. So just, just think about how to balance out your own creative needs with the needs of the group. Okay. Capricorn rising. Cap rising. This is an angular uh, full moon for you. So this is one where you will be trying to balance out your responsibilities with your work, with your job, and your domestic responsibilities. There could also be something coming to a head with your parents or with your family or with your, your home or your domestic situation. Um, you are experiencing Saturn moving through the third house as the ruler of your ascendant, right? So this is, there's, there's things that are up for review with your daily habits or daily routines, um, with siblings, with extended family members, with how you arrange your time versus, you know, during the day as well. We are also seeing a square between Venus and Uranus in your eighth and your fifth house. There could be something coming up with either your kids or with your how you seek pleasure or entertainment or your own personal creativity that is bringing some tension with the shared resources that you have with someone else, whether it's a partner, whether it's with someone else that you share money or resources with, uh, something else could be coming up with that. And there, there could be forces that are outside of your control that are challenging your ability to stand your ground within the eighth house matter. Okay. So that's, that's one thing that Uranus is doing with Venus here. It's, it's shaking up our um, entrenched positions. It's saying, you're going to have to think outside the box with this. If you've dug your heels in, in a, in a certain philosophical, spiritual, passionate position, you may have to shake that up because the universe or nature might have other uh, ideas about that. Um, Mars is going to be conjoining the south node in your 10th house. So there could be something leaving your experience in your, in your public life. Could be related to the groups that you share uh, values with because it is the ruler of your 11th house. There could also be something leaving the physical plane with the fourth house matters. There could be something that you're resolving or letting go of 
related to your home and your family and things of that nature. Be very careful about any conflicts that come up within your work. If you are leaving a job or something like that, um, because there is a square between Mars and Pluto that is forming over your 10th and first house axis. Okay, so, so try not to let the conflict bubble over so where you become, uh, you want to fight fair. If you get into a conflict, you don't want to get outside of your integrity. The Mercury-Neptune opposition is going to be happening over your ninth and third house axis. So be really clear about your beliefs uh, so that you can be able to communicate them to the people in your life uh, clearly so that they will respect your ability to organize your life in a practical way and that you are not feeling misunderstood. Okay. Oh, we got some... Jennifer's talking about her dad and how he's been trying to get him to be more decisive in what he wants and quit smoking and walking, or quit smoking and then do walking uh, my mom's been sick for years, Michelle says, in and out of the hospice, wondering if something is coming to a head. I live alone, so no one in my home. Uh, oh, and says, yes, I've been giving my only child a lot of money for car repairs lately, which could speak to that. Both the Jupiter retrograde in the fifth and the Venus Uranus square over the fifth and eighth house axis, right? So the, uh, bringing the topics of children but also shared resources in that so there may be there might have to be a so unexpected expenses right um sorry to hear about your your um, mom uh, michelle i think that with cap risings there there are some eclipses coming up over the fourth and tenth house axis so there could be some changes that are happening with your family with your job with your career that are probably big chapter markers coming up. So try not to take any of that time for granted. Um, as someone who has lost one of their parents at a young age, nothing is guaranteed. When you think a situation is, is handled or not handled or whatever, there's always room for being surprised. So while we might not have control over when someone may leave the earthly plane, we do have the ability to appreciate the time that we do have with them. So that that's something that I constantly have been, you know, preaching to clients, friends, whoever will listen is that you don't you just don't know how much time you have with someone and and try to try to resolve try to resolve your issues if you can. I know it's not always the easiest. But if there's things you need to say to folks if you know that their time is limited, say it and and try to make it loving. You know, because at the end of the day, you're not going to regret the telling them off. You're, you're going to regret telling them that you love them. So that's a great way to, to move forward with that. Okay. So Aquarius rising. Looking through this chat here. Beth says, Venus Uranus aspect you just described as a shakeup where heels are dug in is in my fourth house and signing that quit claim deed to give to my husband, to give my husband the house was a huge obstacle. Okay, so you had a Taurus rising, right, Beth? We'll get to that. But yeah, so you, yeah, you were digging your heels in around the, you know, being able to change a living situation, right? Where Venus was in your fourth house, 
and you wanted to stand your ground, but but Uranus was saying, yeah, we got to shake it up. There's just a we can't hold on to that position, right? And if we do, we'll probably continue to suffer. So we have to think about things in a slightly different way. And I know that's tough, especially with like something that you've put a lot of time and energy and love into. But Beth, what I can say about that, and we'll talk more when we get to Taurus rising, but what I can say about that is that form changes, but essence, the essence can remain. The, the love that you put into that space, you can take that love with you and you can put it into a new space. And it, it is a, there's a hexagram in the I Ching called the well. And they say that the, 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 the city can change, but the well, the source from the well remains the same. So the source of that beauty that you created was within you. It wasn't necessarily just the, the home or the, um, or the land itself. And this is a reminder I have for myself too, because I, I get very fixated on the, the physicality of my space. I'm a Taurus moon. So uh, trying to create a peaceful environment, but, but we have to keep reminding ourselves sometimes that that peace and that love is, is it can flow out from the inside out uh, as well as just enjoying the, a beautiful space as well. Michelle says, thank you so much, Spencer. And Kate, I know you've already been through this, Spencer. Yes, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. Um, we're all going to go through it, you know? Uh, if, and I think that I mean, some of us might go before our parents. I mean, you, you never know how much time we have left, but most of us are, you know, who pay attention to this channel are in a somewhat similar age range. Many of us are in the stage of life where we either are, have responsibilities with children or, or our children are growing up and we're starting to have aging parents or we've lost a parent recently. That's just sort of the middle age, you know, life challenge. And it's not easy. Um, it's never how you thought it was going to be. And uh, I think that just, again, gratitude is really the way to deal with it. Uh, never taking time or people for granted and just doing the best you can while also understanding that it's not all within your control. That some people will have choices that they have to make on their own some to whether they are taking care of themselves or not sometimes there are forces of nature and decay that no matter how much we may pray wish or try to hold things together against the forces of entropy we cannot and that was the lesson that i really took deeply to heart when my mom passed because she was a very young she was 62 two years old when she passed she had um severe stroke when she was 60 and um went from a very very young 60 like she's a gemini son very vivacious very quick-witted and young and didn't look old at all and overnight between between you know the years that she had the stroke and then she passed about two and a half years later she became a very frail old person very very quickly and it was very shocking to see and it was something that i didn't quite understand before it happened um so again we will have to come to terms with the fact that these bodies are going to decay. And we've talked a lot about this on this channel, um, but coming to terms with death is a really important uh, thing to do. Uh, being able to release things is just as important as learning how to grow things. I would say that the focus on this channel is probably more on learning how to let go than necessarily learning how to manifest. 
you can thank my last quarter moon for that as i think that on some level i consider this channel to be almost like a psychopomp guide where we're learning how to release things that don't serve us and through that we become liberated and we come to understanding and i know it's not it's not the sexiest thing right it's not the, the the easiest thing but i hope that my hope is that i'm guiding you in a way that will bring you peace right because when we face these inevitable things sometimes people are really afraid to talk about it and you'll see those challenging issues the people will avoid it and try to paint everything like it's perfect in their life through their social media or things like that or if you just wish hard enough you'll you won't experience these things and i i think that's a disservice um, that many people in the spiritual community do because there are these experiences and once we acknowledge and work through them with with grace and and with humility um that that is a great gift i think it's and i i hope that 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 will help all of you uh with your own challenges with that mm. oh yeah kate's having some challenges with her mom and some diagnoses as well uh I'm sorry friends i like i said i know that this is a tough time for a lot of folks in their life but but hang in there we'll get through it together okay aquarius rising let's do this aquarius rising yeah you're not gonna this isn't a chance i'm sorry if 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 you're new here this isn't a channel where you're gonna hear about all the goodies that you're gonna get like from all the sky pie you might get from the sky gods <laughs> like there's a uh Patton oswald uh comedy hour uh, stand-up comedy show where he's like "Ooh, sky god bring me sky sky cake <laughs> you know like this uh that's there will be a few moments like that but there hopefully we will balance that out with with realism right and again it's not for everyone but but hopefully you're finding some peace within it don says tremendous life resource spencer i'm so grateful to see when the shifts are coming good and bad yeah I'm, like I said, I'm just, just trying to be the messenger here and, and you all will get to choose how you use these, these messages. And the last thing I want to do is to make all of you more afraid. But what I find is that when we understand challenging things that are coming, if we have a plan, and we can't always plan for everything, we can't always prepare for everything, but if we do feel a little bit more emotionally prepared, we can make a better choice in the moment. And to me, that is really valuable resource and information. Uh, Michelle says, uh, yes, you're a huge help to me. And sure, for all us regulars here, yes. And Kate says, I agree, Don, very grateful to know astrology. Kate says, it's like a map through the unknown. Sky pie, Michelle says, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah, he has, he's an Aquarius. So for you Aquarius Risings, thank you, Don, for the super sticker. I appreciate you, my friend. Um, for those of you who are Aquarius suns and Aquarius risings, Pat Oswald is an Aquarius sun, and he he has a bit about uh, it's mostly about organized religion and about how oftentimes we are praying to just get stuff, you know, to get sky pie. Uh, and he's very sarcastic about it, but it's very funny, and it it really does very it really does kind of bring you face to face with the Saturnian reality of of our beliefs, our mortality, and things of that nature. So 
that's Saturn's real gift to us is, is helping us to see things how they are, not necessarily how we wish they would be. So oftentimes that, that alone can be a liberation. Uh, Kate says, when you live your days, letting go gradually, it feels more meaningful. Amen to that friend. Kate says, I truly value the space you create here with all my peers who have been attracted by your light, Spencer. Well, thank you, Kate. And I appreciate your light and the, your contributions here as well. Okay, Aquarius Rising, you are experiencing a full moon over the ninth and third house axes. So this is something where you may have a focus on your ninth house of belief systems, long distance travel, higher education, dealing with the law or the judicial system. Uh, you have a full moon coming to a head in your third house, which is related to short journeys. It's related to your daily habits and your routines. So you're maybe trying to balance out your, your belief systems with how you manifest that in your everyday life. Think about the, the ninth house as the joy of the sun, where the third house is the joy of the moon. The sun is somewhat related to belief in the uh, ancient system, the light of the mind, awareness, the soul, whereas the moon is more related to the body, reflected light. So there may be a, a mind-body uh, desire to, to bring into equilibrium, especially because these two planets are in their respective joys. Uh, your ascendant ruler, Saturn, is hanging out in the second house, asking you to review your finances and your skill set. Um, again, you're going to probably start feeling like things are moving forward for you again, Aquarius rising around November 4th with Saturn stationing direct. You are also experiencing a square between Venus and Uranus over the seventh and the fourth house. So there could be some unexpected, you know, challenges in a relationship over a domestic situation, whether it's your house or your family or your parents. Um, and you may have to let go of a position within a relationship because of something out of your control happening in your fourth house related to your, your home and family. Just be careful to get clarity around financial issues around this period of time, Aquarius rising, because there is an opposition forming between Mercury and Neptune over your eighth house and the second house. There could be some confusion about what is yours, what is someone else's, who pays for what, etc. yada, yada, yada. You also have a square forming between Mars and Pluto over your ninth and 12th house axes. So it, it, try not to let your dreams, the buried dreams and fears, uh, create a conflict with how you express your beliefs. Um, there could be something where the way that you deal with a uh, belief is bringing up a lot of repressed stuff right now. Like Pluto has, has gone back into your 12th house to help you resolve some things that may be gestating below the surface, okay? Or festering could be a better word with, with Pluto. And it's gonna prepare you once Pluto is stationing direct and moving into Aquarius to a, a, kind of a whole new persona. Like you're gonna be at the forefront of, of change when Pluto is moving into your first house again. A lot of personal changes for Aquarius Risings coming up. So, so keep an eye out for that. Um, try to, to consciously deal with some of the things that have been repressed, especially with how you organize your resources in your life, right? If you ignore the, 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 the practical application of your mental discipline, that can lead to some challenges. Sometimes Aquarius is 
are very fixated on idealistic organization, like how society should be organized, and then sometimes have trouble with the physical organization of the resources and space. So you don't want to make that mistake with that. Not every hashtag, not all Aquarius Risings, but many of them have some of those challenges. Okay, let's see. Dimphy is laughing at Sky Guy, Sky Pie. <laughs> is there more growing in your garden than milkweed? Like nice cake ingredients? Yeah, I've got a bunch of wildflowers that are starting to grow. I have a lot of foxtail grass that wasn't intended in my garden, and we'll have to see if it's going to stay or not. Um, but we have a big garden project coming up this weekend because I've actually been waiting to plant a lot of my stuff until the, the fall when it gets a little bit cooler, more so out of time constraints, but also it's a good time to plant those native pollinators things is in the fall. And we're going to be moving a lot of boxwood bushes and arborvitaes to different locations to try to create more of a private space in our home. And it's going to be a lot of physical labor uh, associated with that. So wish me luck, Dimphy, and wish my my 43-year-old body uh, <laughs> strength and vitality. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I know I'm not super old, but I, I'm probably not as physical as I should be at this age. I do a lot of mental labor and mental lifting. Um, so when I have to do big physical projects like this, I get a little bit like, oh my gosh, gosh, am I going to be able to do this? Uh, and I feel it the next few days. I, I get motivated and, and into it once it's going on, but the lead up, it's, there's a little bit of dread involved sometimes. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm just looking through the chat. For Aquarius, this is the last square Mars will make to Pluto in Capricorn, right? Um, I think so. I'm not exactly sure. I do think, uh, I think there might be another retrograde next year of Pluto back into Capricorn briefly. But I yes, Kate, I, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because I, I don't think that there's Usually Mars has a, a, a longer cycle than just 12 months. So I don't, I, I don't think we're going to see this square again. But just, you know, this will be the, the last one that you'll see between those two particular houses. Yes. Mm. Dawn says, if you can do it at 52, you can do it at 43, love. <laughs> you got this. Take your time and take up some salt baths. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I've got a, I got a good partner. I got a cap rising Sagittarius Sun partner too, who is also very strong, and uh, we'll be able to help help out with all of it. So, I think between the two of us, we'll get it done. But yes, I'm just whining a little bit here. <laughs> okay, Pisces rising. So Pisces rising, you have a new moon in the eighth house. Uh, Eighth, sorry, the eighth house sun opposing the new moon in the second house. Our full moon. Jeez, sorry, friends. Um, so here is the coming to fruition of a financial matter, uh, holding some kind of opposition between your own resources, your independence with your resources, and resources that you share with another. You could be seeing the conclusion of some conflicts that are related to money and to um, your belief system 
since Mars rules the ninth house and the second house, it could also be like something where there is a financial issue that's coming to you from like a foreign place or through traveling or something of that nature. Uh, I know I have a Pisces rising friend who is moving to another location across the country. So I'm, I'm sure that they're going through the, all the challenges of moving and, and like moving to a distant place and financial challenges that come with that. Um, your ascendant ruler is in the third house. So Jupiter is retrograding through the third house, really disrupting some of your daily habits and routines and maybe having you review an issue with a sibling or with an extended family member as well. Venus is going to be squaring Uranus from your sixth to your third house. So there could be a, uh, some kind of hill that you are trying to defend in regards to your health or in regards to work that you're doing that you're not getting a lot of credit for potentially. But there could potentially the disruption to your immediate environment, to your neighborhood, to, to feeling like you don't know where everything is could, could disrupt something with your health as well. So be really careful about that, um, that you don't push yourself too hard, especially with Saturn retrograding in the first house as well. There could be a communication issue between you and a partner that could get a little fuzzy with Mercury opposing Neptune over your first and seventh house axis as well. So make sure that you just get clear on all the details of everything moving forward. Um, yeah, when you move, you don't, you, you don't always know where the grocery store is. You don't know where the bank is. You don't know how to get around. It takes some time to learn. So I think that that could be something that a number of Pisces risings could be going through as well. Maybe you're not moving house necessarily, but you're just in unfamiliar territory potentially. Okay. One more thing, Pisces rising. There is going to be a square forming between Mars and Pluto over your 8th and 11th house axis. So just be very careful about uh, getting into nefarious situations with a group that you're a part of. Uh, it could lead to potentially some debt or some some revelation of that because the 8th house is associated with debt. Don't make investments in a group that doesn't have, isn't above board or things of that nature. Sometimes as Pisces risings, especially with Neptune the first going through there, my Piscean friends always want to hope for the best with people. And it is sometimes easy for them to overestimate people's integrity. So try not to get blinded to a, a, an obvious ethical lapse that you might be experiencing, especially when it comes to shared resources with, with you and a, and a group of people. Pisces risings often want to merge with a group as well, like merge with someone who shares their beliefs or something like that. But it, you can get yourself into trouble if you're not being clear about what the reality of that situation is. Okay? Okay. Kate says, I hope a neighbor doesn't steal Pisces money. Yeah, I hope so either. Hope hope that doesn't happen either. That would be bad. Because I said, like I said, Pisces rising can be very trusting and open. Like they want to believe the best in people. But they'll figure it out. Pisces are a lot stronger than you give them credit for. I think this is what you realize about Pisces suns and Pisces risings is they may seem vulnerable, but, you know, many of them have this, they land on their feet. They're like cats, you know, like they may seem like everything's going wrong and then just there's some miracle that happens. And that's often why they believe everything's just going to work out 
because oftentimes it does when they surrender to the universal flow flow state into the Tao. All right, Aries rising. So Aries rising. Aries rising is another one of our angular full moons. So Aries rising is having the sun and Mars moving through their seventh house as well as the the south node. So a relationship issue probably bringing an awareness of an imbalance in a relationship issue and a desire to go your own way personally. Um, so you're going to have to to hold the duality of the needs of a partner versus your own needs, uh, which is not always the easiest thing to do as an Aries rising because you want to just move forward into your own power. The challenge with that is that Mars is in Libra and there may be some other factors involved where you might not be able to move under your own power without having to make a compromise with somebody else. And that's frustrating. I get it. Um, it's also related potentially to the resources that you share with someone else. Um, there could be an inheritance issue that's coming up where you're having to resolve an old argument around an inheritance. Maybe it's something to do with an alimony or something like that, or your shared resources with a partner. Maybe there's a relationship that's ending and you're trying to figure out how to split up resources or something of that nature. So hang in there with that. Try to find a fair solution for everyone involved. Um, you know, your ascendant ruler is Mars. So there's a lot of focus on with that Mars and Libra in the seventh house and partnerships. You're experiencing a square over the uh, fifth and second house axis with, with uh, Venus and Uranus. So there could be some financial, unexpected financial challenges that are related to children or, or related to your own personal creativity or how you seek pleasure or entertainment. Um, you may be wanting to dig your heels in with a kid or something if they're, they want money. <laughs> but this is, you know, like we saw the, the Venus-Uranus square across the fifth and the eighth house axis for Capricorns. Now we see it with fifth and the second house axis. Um, oh, wait, no. Yeah, I th that was for Capricorn. I'm just remembering this correctly. Uh, f now we see it over the second and fifth house axis for Aries rising. So try to set some healthy boundaries if you, if you are ha in a situation like that, potentially. Um, maybe review how you're managing your own resources. Um, there's always times where we do have to help people, and we may have to come off of a certain belief system to deal with the reality of our situation. That could be something that's happening here as well. Mercury is making an opposition to Neptune over your sixth and 12th house axis. So that could be bringing some confusion around a health issue or how you find solitude within your life or the practitioners that you're working with like a doctor or someone who you are employing as an employee for you. Be careful about the Mars-Pluto square, Aries rising, because it's over angular houses for you. There could be some corruption that's revealed in your job or your career or with an authority figure, and it could lead to some some difficult conversations, uh, especially with like a, a career partner or a career, somebody that you are in business with or something could come up where you're having to deal with uh, some bureaucratic challenges with, with Pluto in the, the third decade of Capricorn. So there may be something where there's an inequality or an imbalance or an ethical breach and how you manage resources. So, so beware of that and try to maintain your, your cool and your equilibrium throughout that process. 
Jennifer says, Pisces, Moon, and Jupiter. Haha, you hit the nail on the head. Everyone does, does everything does work out one way or the other, right? Yeah, I, I sometimes envy my Piscean friends. I, I, I don't, I don't think I have anything in Pisces. My daughter does. My daughter has Venus and Uranus there, and she has some, some good luck that follows some challenging situations sometimes. And uh, I have a bunch of Virgo stuff, so for me, I sort of have to. I feel like I have to create my own luck on some level. This is what Virgo is being tasked with. If you have a lot of planets in Virgo, you better get to work because <laughs> you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to to grind it out a little bit. Um, but it is important for Virgo type people to surrender at various points in their life as well, especially with Saturn opposing your Virgo placements. Okay, Taurus rising. Now we're back to Taurus. If Beth is still with us, here's here's your Taurus rising. Uh, horoscope there is a full moon over your 12th and 6th house axes so there might be a focal point with the sun hanging out in the 6th house and the hard dirty work that you have to do maybe there's an injury or an illness potentially uh, maybe you are severing and separating a people a practitioner that you work with um, you may be really desiring some rest some an ability to retreat into your own safe sanctuary but that could be a little bit difficult with Mars and its exile ruling the 12th. Um, as Beth was pointing out earlier with her story, there is a square between Venus and um, between Venus and Uranus. I'll, I'll spit it out there. Easy for me to say. Uh, between your first and your fourth house. So there could be something where you have an entrenched position regarding a, a family or home or property issue. And there's just some things that are outside of your control that need to be changed. Like there may be some just forces of nature that are greater than you that are need to be changed. And in Beth's case, she was talking about finally being able to sign over the deed uh, to the house to her husband after a divorce, uh, which is painful. It's, it's coming off of an entrenched position, but by doing so, Beth is probably going to liberate herself to move forward with her life and with her situation. So, so again, Uranus is a liberating uh, uh, kind of thing. It is something where when we finally try to release the things that have been solidified, innovative solutions can come across. Okay, So Taurus Rising, there could be innovative solutions to that, that, that kind of domestic issue or challenge. Now, there's also an opposition between Mercury and Neptune from your 5th to your 11th house. I think that there could also be some clarity that you need to have in regards to an issue with a child or with how you seek pleasure or entertainment that could be conflicting with either a government entity or an organization that you're a part of. Uh, I have another Taurus rising friend who has some special needs kids that uh, they're often trying to find the right type of treatment for them. And there's often confusion around that. So, so that could be an issue that's coming up for Taurus Risings potentially, like a little bit of confusion around, uh, you know, an organization that you work with related to your kids. Um, be careful, Taurus Rising, about the square between Mars and Pluto that is forming. Um, Mars is going to be causing you to have some releasing around seventh house partnership issues and also 12th house issues related to either secret enemies or like how you seek solitude and things of that nature, how you rest, how you gestate, 
that 12th house has to do with like pregnancy and gestation. And it could be the gestation of a project, okay? And it could be happening as well. It could be some letting go around those shared topics. Um, with the square to Pluto, you know, you want to make sure that you're not getting into a conflict uh, over an old belief that needs to be composted, right? With, the, with Pluto moving through the ninth house. Could also be dealing with the, the, the law in some regard, like a bureaucratic system. The ninth house is often related to the law. Um, so there could be some conflict between getting the help that you need for an injury or an illness or something of that nature and the bureaucratic system that you're dealing within, like an insurance company or something like that. And sometimes, again, sometimes when we have like these squares with Pluto and Capricorn, it's just like going through the tedious stuff that you have to go through the red tape, I guess. Like I, I, I've been on the phone with various like bureaucratic institutions in the past when there was a hard aspect with Pluto in my chart, just like waiting on the phone for hours or having to like fill out a bunch of forms or something like that. And it, it could be just as simple as that. And it's, it's painful, but it's not like life-changingly violent or something like that. It could just be a pain in the ass. So that often is how astrology works out. It's, it's, it's often it is not the worst case scenario. Um, let me look through the chat here. Mars says, be careful, Spencer. Yes, I'm going to be careful when I do all my gardening stuff so I don't injure myself. I got to pace myself. Um, Kate says, my mom had Jupiter on the ascendant as a teen. I resented her saying, just have faith. <laughs> like, right, yeah, yeah, because it's it might be true for her, but it might not be true for everyone, right? Sometimes those of us who aren't don't have lucky Jupiter placements don't have the same type of good fortune that that those folks have. So different strokes for different folks, right? And this is what what the the other beauty of astrology is is learning that there isn't just one way for everyone. There's multiple ways to live life and to create success. And there's and sometimes we have to use different methods than other people. Okay. Uh, Jennifer says, Virgo, Pluto, and Venus, it did take a while to accept that mantra. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does take a while sometimes to learn the lessons that we have in our life or to really embrace them. Sometimes we understand them, but embracing them is different. Okay, Gemini rising. Gemini rising. Gemini rising has the sun in the fifth and the moon becoming full in the 11th house. Focal point for Gemini rising on their creative process, on children. There could be some conflict that is ending around their creative process or around their children. And something coming to a head with the groups and organizations that they have to be a part of around that. Oftentimes when we have kids, we have to be part of like PTAs and like groups, soccer teams and all this junk. And there can be some conflict around that sometimes. There can be some things where the the social organizations that we have to be a part of to raise children, we don't see eye to eye with that. So there could be something like that that you could be experiencing. Um, if you don't have kids, it could be just that there may be a personal thing that, that you want to enact, but there may be needs of a group that you have to take into consideration, or you may be trying to find your independence through an organization that you are a part of, and how can you express yourself versus what 
the needs of the group are. Uh, your ascendant ruler is going to be in the fourth house. So there's a lot of focus on your living situation. Just be careful that you're not being overly idealistic about your living situation right now. Try to get clarity and ask questions. Um, I have a Gemini rising friend. I hope I'm being as am ambiguous enough about these that I'm not revealing anything too crazy. But I have a Gemini rising friend who's a jet setter who loves to move around the different parts of the world and oftentimes appears very romantic about these different places and then sometimes the the romance works out and sometimes the rom the romantic visions don't and, the, and part of this could be related to the you know the opposition with mercury right now to to neptune so be very careful about overly romanticizing a living situation or a different place or something like that if you're a gemini rising right now or with your home in general right it could be like maybe you're not moving but you're making changes to your your home situation you don't want to be overly ambitious around that. Um, there is also a square between Venus and Uranus in your third house to the, your 12th house. So there is some potential challenges uh, with standing your ground with a sibling or an extended family member or with the way that you organize your daily habits and your routines. There could be some, some repressed feelings or emotions or memories or dreams that are disrupting, you know, the, the relationships that you have with those extended family members or with your, uh, or with the way that you organize your life. And some of those things might be outside of your control, right? Sometimes there are things where we're trying to get solitude and peace and there's just disruptions to that. And it could be through those challenges with your living situation. Uh, the Mars-Pluto square is going to be coming to fruition over your fifth and eighth house axis. So uh, there could be this, this, the first thing that popped into my mind was like the Barbie movie with this, where Bar Barbie looks around to her friends and is like, you ever think about death and dying? <laughs> like, I feel like that should appeal to the Gemini risings in the crowd. Cause this, that movie felt very Gemini to me. Um, and the Barbie feels like a fifth house kind of thing, right? With like playing with toys and, and, and yet we have Mars making this square to Pluto in the eighth house. Um, so I feel like Gemini's could be, Gemini risings and Gemini suns could be exploring their mortality at this point and trying to reconcile how to enjoy life, you know, with the time that they have remaining and things of that nature. Um, be also you could see some conflicts coming up maybe around the shared resources that you have in regards to a relationship with a with a child or something like that there could maybe there's a custody situation that's getting a little contentious about who who has what and what who has what time and things like that i've experienced some of those challenges in the past and it, it can be very frustrating to deal with um but try to maintain your your flexibility and your equilibrium and your grace around that try to communicate as clearly as you can and that can help you move forward with with your life in a way that will bring about uh, successful solutions hopefully oh look at through the chat look at through the chat dawn says i love that about astrology i taught it taught me so much about compassion as a sagittarius i couldn't understand forever why people don't think and understand like i do yeah 
it's a very Sagittarian response, Don. Like oftentimes Sagittarius is trying to ignite other people, other people's passion towards a specific belief system rather than uh, there's a there's a certain knowing with Sagittarius that Gemini, on on the other hand, is more about a questioning, more about skepticism, more about an exploration. So that's a good lesson as a Sagittarius type person, right, Don, is, is being able to see things from alternate perspectives. I think that's healthy. Uh, Juline says, Gemini here, yay. Okay, so hopefully some of that resonated with you, Juline. Juline says, I have part of fortunate 22 Libra, Leo, 22 Leo next to my Leo moon at 17. You hit some on some stuff there, Spencer. Well, good. I hope that, I hope that you know, everything works out, Juline, with, uh, with whatever's going on here. Again, we just have to maintain our, our equilibrium and our grace around this and uh, the, you know, and the, the way the Barbie movie, spoiler alert, worked out is that she was able to come to terms with some of her mortality and, and find some independence and, and take the leap into the unknown. And th- that was really, she faced some shadow energy and came out of it, I think, as a, with a new understanding. So, you know, the veil was lifted, so to speak. And she was, I've seen articles describing that movie as Inanna visiting the underworld. And, and I thought that was pretty fascinating. So think about that, about facing our mortality and then returning back to, to the earth. Uh, I think, you know, this is one thing I'll say too, before I move on. Gemini is the 12th house in the Thema Mundi. And I think that Gemini often gets a bad rap for being shallow. And I don't actually think that that's the case. I think that their mind are, are very quick. But I do think that Geminis think a lot about the afterlife and about death and things of that nature. I think that there is this, you know, story we talk about with the myth of Ur, which was about a Roman soldier who retained his memory into the afterlife and had to witness people choosing lots for how, what, what life they wanted to live next. So, so thinking a lot about what, what a good life is, about the ethics associated with life can be a Gemini quality as well. So just something to, to ponder and to, to think about. Not, not giving you more things to keep you up at night, Gemini rising or sun, but, but I think it's just pretty fascinating. Uh, just, just seeing it in a slightly different way. And you can learn more about it if you sign up for my Deccan Walk that starts on October the 2nd. We'll explore all that during Gemini season. <laughs> Registration ends on September the 30th. Sign up today, friends. Okay. Julian says, Roger, that fifth house transit resonates too. Oh, yeah. So some some challenges with that, friend. So I hope that you're doing well. Julian says, I haven't seen that movie yet. I'll have to queue it up. Yeah, it just, just came out on uh, digital. So yeah, check it out. It's pre- pretty good. There's some, so it's a little bit unexpected on the some of the, the depth of it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. There was, there was some, yeah, it was, it was good. Let's see. Cancer rising. Uh... Let's see. We have some people that love the movie. Jennifer says, Gemini rising, yes, second grandchild, first birthday, time is flying, sad and happy at the same time, right? Yeah, just coming to terms with the passages of time. Beth is saying that they've been thinking about quitting their job with their MCN 26 Capricorn. Well, Pluto's hanging out there, right? So Pluto is just, uh, you know, really making you consider those powerful changes, Beth. Michelle says that they are Virgo Sun and Stellium. 
Okay. And then with Capricorn rising. Um, Don says, my little Scorpio moon daughter loved Barbie as much as I did and thought Barbie was very mean to Ken. <laughs> she was a little, she was a little harsh. Yeah, he, he seemed very enamored with her in the parts of the movie. But, you know, we'll see. There's, there's good messages about independence and independent thinking and releasing codependency around that too. So that, that could be part of it. We'll see. I don't want to spoil too much of it for you. Jennifer says, looking up the myth of Ur now. Yes, a good myth for Geminis. The myth of Ur. Being able to choose a life. And maybe even some of the paralysis by analysis that comes with seeing all the different possibilities that could be happening. Jillian says, I love that you give that acknowledgement to Gemini. Yeah, a lot of astrologers give Gemini a bad rap. And, and there are certain challenges with Ge Gemini placements, for sure. Let's not beat around the bush. Every sign has the light and the dark side. But, I, but again, I think that there's, there is more depth to that sign than, than modern pop astrology would have you understand. Okay, Cancer Rising. We're coming around the bend here. We're a little bit over time today, but that's okay. We've been having some good conversations. We have a lot to talk about with this one. There's a lot happening. So this is another angular eclipse for you Cancer Risings. Um, this is happening over your 4th and 10th house axis. The moon is becoming full in your 10th house, so there may be some independence around your career that is bringing you some, some tension between your family and your domestic life. Uh, there could be something going on with your, your home that's coming to fruition uh, that is affecting your job and how you work within that job. Uh, there could be something that you're letting go of with your within your domestic situation with Mars conjoining the south node. And thank you so much, Julian, for the super sticker. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate all of the folks that have donated today and have donated in the past. If you want to make a donation, there's a little dollar sign in that chat. That's a super chat or a super sticker. Really appreciate you, friends. Um, Jennifer is asking, which rising sign was Inanna? Um, which rising sign was Inanna? Oh. We were talking about that in relationship to Gemini rising, um, mostly in relationship, though, as Barbie, the Barbie movie as a metaphor for the Inanna story, where she has to go into the underworld to, to um, speak with her sister and uh, eventually, you know, alleviate her suffering. Check out, like, look at the, look up the Inanna story and that you'll see some of the, you can even look up Inanna and Barbie and there's some really interesting articles around that. Um, so Cancer Rising, this, you know, new and full moons are always uh, kind of a thing for Cancer Risings because the moon is your ascendant ruler. So this could be something, you know, a really important full moon for you, for your career, because there is something coming to a head in that 10th house where you're, you know, getting, getting your independent wheels spinning on this. Um, you have Mars ruling both your fifth house and your 10th house. So it, this could be a, an ending that is happening in a job, uh, a release of some kind of creative project too. So you could be like finishing a creative project and sending it out into the world since it's related to fifth house matters as well. It could be something where you're 
like releasing something in relationship to a, a, a child as well. So there may be something where you're, you're resolving a conflict around, around that. Um, there's going to be a square between Venus and Uranus in your second and your 11th house. So there may be a financial issue that you're having to, to release a, an old entrenched belief around, especially when it, re it relates to a group because there may be some forces that are outside of your control or that are bigger than you that, that may require you to, to release a financial belief. Um, remember, we talked about Leo three as, a, as an entrenched, passionate belief system position where, we, where we're trying to resist change. I think Leo three is very resistant to change. I think, I think all the sevens on some level are somewhat resistant to change because they're, they're about enduring. Although I will say that Aquarius three is very unstable. Okay, it's, it's like there's a, an energy in that decan of trying to make a plan that is very like chaotic on some level, having to leave something behind, whereas Leo 3 is much more like I'm standing my ground. I don't want to change my position. I don't want to move on, right? So when there's a square with Uranus, sometimes we just have to make those changes, even if it's uh, difficult. There is going to be a square between Pluto and Mars over your fourth and seventh house axis. So the letting go in the fourth house could also bring up some relationship conversations that could be a little bit painful. Be very careful to uh, have conversations that are above board. You don't want to get into a, a violent argument with a partner or something like that. You want to make sure you maintain your equilibrium as a cancer rising with the moon in Aries, you could be feeling very emotional, very subjective as well with your perspective, very much like I want this and I'm not going to take no for an answer and be, be careful about getting into a, uh, a, a difficult volcanic argument with a partner around this, especially around a domestic situation. Okay. Cause having success, having a highlight in the 10th house could bring it. Oftentimes there is a balancing factor with it affecting our home life. So, so try to find the win-win situation between your, your uh, domestic situation, your partner and your job. Okay. Let's move on. Luna storm is asking, does this pertain to the moon and cancer people as well? I think so. I think that, Whenever we're doing rising sign horoscopes like this, oftentimes you can switch the chart around to look at the sun in the first house, which would be a sun sign horoscope, or you can put the moon in the first house, which would be like a lunar chart. So um, we will often see similar themes come up when you have strong planets or luminaries in these positions as well. So I oftentimes, you know, for me, let's, here's an example. I'm a cancer sun. So there may be some tension between my domestic life and my job. Now, just for those of you who know what I'm, you know, trying to achieve, I have a big, huge launch happening for my Deccan walk that is going to be coming to a head over the, it's it, literally the last day to sign up will be this full moon. So there may be a lot of work involved with that. I also have been, have a big gardening project that's happening in the next week as well, where I'm trying to plant 
a bunch of pollinator plants that have been sitting on my porch all summer um, before the frost. So the tension between those two things could be coming up, right? Uh, so, so that's a reading for a Cancer Sun. I'm, I'm, I can see the themes playing out for a Cancer Sun as well as a Cancer Rising. So I often look at that on, on multiple through multiple lenses. So that's a good catch in the storm. So let's go to Leo Rising. So Leo Rising, you have the sun in the third house and the moon in the ninth house. So <laughs> if you've been following along on the channel, you know that one of your, your, your lovely host's uh, challenges is with neighbors and with being a little bit territorial with their space. I would say that lions are pretty territorial. Um, Leos in general want big, expansive spaces to be able to stretch out and spread out and just be themselves. I think a lot of it is just we need a lot of space to be ourselves. So oftentimes that can lead to when you have Mars moving through the third, like conflict with a neighbor or something like that. Like, And I know that that's something that we, all, we Leos probably have to work on. Um, but there could be something that's coming to a head between your belief systems about what you want as an individual and the needs of the people in your immediate environment, like neighbors, like siblings, like extended family members. There could be the resolution of a conflict that has been happening within your home uh, because of Mars hitting the south node here. So, you know, for me, I'll just share again, like this is probably one of the, during this full moon, we may also be completing a project that we've been working on for much of the summer with like planting pollinator habitat type stuff. So it's something, finally the end of that thing that's been on our mind, right? Um, there is, and it could be related also to the ninth house, like the ending of, uh, the ending of a sign-up period for, for like the duck and walk, for example, will be happening at this full moon for me. So maybe there's something where you have a belief system or like higher education that's coming to fruition and finally coming to light. And you're trying to work on your, your client's needs versus your own needs. So there could be negotiations that happen with things like that. Um, Leo rising, there will be a square between <laughs> Venus in your first and Uranus in the 10th. Um, oh, thank you, Leela, for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. Um, that's very generous of you. Thank you. Um, so Venus and Uranus in your angular houses, it, <laughs> depending on where your ascendant is, if it's in the first, second, or third decade, you may be pretty familiar with standing your ground in certain belief systems that are important to you. Um, but there may be some circumstances that are a little bit out of your control, especially when it comes to a job or your public persona. You may have to make adjustments to the position that you've taken ar around a certain career type of thing as well. Um, be careful, Leo Rising, with the Mars-Pluto square. Okay, uh, It is important to take care of your health. If you are, uh, you also want to be um, clear about any relationships that you have with practitioners that you're hiring to do a service. Um, 
uh, here's an example. I have an electrician coming out to my house very shortly after this uh, full moon to look at rewiring some some very ancient wiring especially to make sure that we have the right type of wiring and transfer switch if we needed to put a generator in place. So I'm probably going to be doing, revealing, I'm guessing, this is a, a practical example. I'm guessing that the electrician, and I hope I'm not speaking this into existence, may reveal uh, that the wiring in our house is crazy because I already know it is. It's a 140-year-old house, and I know that there's probably going to be a little bit of a problem <laughs> with it. Um, so, you know, this is one example of like, you know, a potential revelation of something where the, the, the practitioner is showing you that you've got some work to do. Um, just be careful with conversations with extended family members and neighbors that, so that that doesn't get out of hand or out of control. This is a reminder to, to myself to not escalate conflict over parking in my parking lot over the next few weeks. Pray for me, friends. Um, you also, Leo Risings, will have an opposition between Mercury and Neptune over your second and eighth house axis. So it's important to be really clear about your resources and then the resources that you share with other people uh, because those lines could get blurred a little bit uh, as you move forward. Okay, I think we got one more. So Virgo Risings, you've been very patient over the course of this uh, talk here today. So Virgo rising has a full moon in the eighth house and the moon, or the, I'm sorry, the, the sun and Mars in the south node in the second house. So Virgo rising, you are having some issues about balancing out your needs financially with the needs of others. Um, there could be something coming to a head with a inheritance issue or with a, a shared debt issue. Um, there could be some challenges with your your own finances right now where that maybe there's a maybe you're losing some income potentially it could be could be related to some changes in your immediate environment could be related to a sibling uh try it might be the resolution of a conflict with a sibling or an extended family member potentially um it also could be bringing in the themes of the eighth house here right third house eighth house so shared resources with uh a cousin, a brother, a neighbor, um, and it could be affecting your, your own particular financial life. Um, so try to keep your equilibrium with that because Mars is going to be moving into a square with Pluto over your fifth house uh, where you could be having a really intense, you know, frustration around how you are it could be de dealing with a child, could be dealing with your offspring, could be dealing with some sort of creative project, or it could be dealing with how you how you seek pleasure in life. There could be, I could also see Virgo rising, like the elimination of a bad habit around this period of time with Mars conjoining the south node, um, but also it being a little bit of a struggle with Mars uh, squaring Pluto, potentially. Mercury, your ascendant ruler, is in the first and is really strong right now, but is also be it will also be opposing Neptune. So just be very careful about your needs versus the needs of a partner, um, and be very clear about your communication with your partners over this period of time. Um, you will also be experiencing a square with Venus 
and Uranus over the 12th and the 9th house axis. You may be trying to stand your ground when it comes to getting peace and quiet and rest, but there may be some circumstances outside of your control, potentially related to foreign places or travel or the, the, the law that may be interfering with that. Um, so, so take your time, try to get as much peace as you can, and um, hopefully things will work out for you. Okay, I think that's what we've got. I'm going to stop the share here. Take a look at the chat before we move on. Michelle says their, can't, their sun is a cancer rising, so hopefully those uh, insights will be helpful for you, Michelle. Kate says they are a Leo rising. I've been giving contact info, friend of a friend, to call someone who apparently would like to talk to me. They're a well-known shaman. Okay, so, so you may be experiencing some third house communication issues with Mars and, and the sun there, potentially. Uh, Kate says I've been want, waiting for Mercury direct, Venus direct before making contact. I mean, just, Kate, what I would say about that is just be clear about your communication with them. Um, make sure that they are above board. Sixth house, Kate, is also teachers and practitioners that you work with. So Pluto, Mars, Pluto there. Try not to get sucked into things that don't feel right to you in your gut, like ethically. Not all spiritual practitioners are good people. Some of them are trying to take advantage of you. So I... I I'm just getting a little gut hit that I want you to make sure that that person is um, in alignment with your your values. Um, okay. So, friends, what we're going to do now is we are going to look at the animal for the month, or for the full moon, I should say, and the I Ching hexagram. So... The I Ching hexagram, thank you, Luna Storm, for your uh, go Hawks, good Seahawks, right? Good football weekend. I always look forward to football weekends. So the I Ching hexagram that I got for you this week was number 45. And number 45 translates to gathering, massing, joining with others, assembling, having a common cause, holding yourself together, pitching in, cooperation between leaders and followers. Libra season is a social time. It's the time where we gather together with other people and we, we try to see things from multiple perspectives. So we may be having a lot of communications with people in our social groups around this period of time. There are three changing lines in this particular reading. The first line says, if one is sincere, but one does not carry through to the end, there will be confusion one moment and gathering the next. But if one calls out with a single group of the hand, with a single grasp of the hand, excuse me, one makes laughter. Do not worry, going is without blame. So this hexagram talks about hesitating to unite with others, to make a commitment like vacillating. This is a, a Libra quality as well, where we are vacillating on, you know, committing to something. And with Mars in, in Libra, we may be, you know, cautious about making a commitment to something. Um, but that can cause some emotional upset and can confuse others when you go back and forth on making a commitment. So this line is telling you really not to be discouraged and ask for help if you, if you need it. And, and if you're willing to join in, it, it encourages you not to, that you won't regret it. Line number four uh, says, great good fortune, no blame. 
So this is something where you're working together with the group to support uh, a leader or something of that nature. It suggests that you might have some good fortune coming from accepting whatever role that you have within the group, that when you gather with people and you work with a higher sense of purpose and, and for the greater good, that you will be able to have success. Um, unselfishness is something that can work out with this particular hexagram. So being able to do your part within the group can bring you good fortune and success for the entire group. And then finally, there's a hexagram line at the top that's changing that says lamenting and sighing, flood of tears, no blame. <laughs> so there's conflicting messages in this hexagram. Um, this is talking about trying to join in with others and make a contribution, but maybe potentially feeling unappreciated. Uh, it encourages you not to blame yourself that maybe there's some misunderstandings. Again, with the Mercury-Pluto opposition, we have to be really clear about our communication around this period of time. So express yourself in your regret or your emotions, um, but don't do it with like um, aggressiveness, with like resentment or something like that, or accusation. Try just try to find, just find, try to find clarity and peace within it. Sometimes when you feel misunderstood, Trying to clarify what you really mean can bring you a sense of peace in that situation. Some, if you have a challenge joining up with a group, but then you express and get clarity, you may actually have be able to make an agreement after all. Okay, so, so again, clear communication is one of the themes of this. And then finally, this hexagram is changing to number 42, which says benefit, harvest, enrichment, generosity, sharing your bounty. So if we're able to make the right uh, agreements with others, if we're able to get, gather together and unite for a common purpose, that'll benefit everyone. We'll be able to enjoy a shared harvest. So, so that's the good news about this full moon, potentially. Um, the animal I got for you this month, or I keep saying that this month, I keep feeling like I'm in the month, was the octopus. So the octopus is, there's a couple of messages that I get from the octopus. The octopus is a very... Uh, it is an animal that is very good at camouflage. So it, it can speak to blending into our environment, keeping quiet about our plans and making, you know, being adaptable to circumstances, being able to change with the environment. It also has many legs. So it speaks to being able to juggle many things at the same time. So we might have to be able to split our attention and, and be able to balance out our need for doing many things at once around this period of time. There's an, another quality to the octopus where it has uh, it is able to shoot ink to confuse a predator, but the the literature around the octopus as a symbol encourages us not to get caught in our own ink. So if we're trying to like confuse others, we can become blinded by our own machinations on some level. So so just be very careful if you if you are getting into a conflict situation that you're not exacerbating the situation by your own, you know, confusion, by, by creating your own darkness around it. So that, I think, is what I have for you for this full moon. I'm just going to take one final look through the chat. Uh, let's see. We've got some good uh, football exchanges here with the, the Seahawks. Uh, let's see. We've got Kate working with the uh, trying to figure out if they should work with a spiritual practitioner or not. Oh, good luck with that. Um, let's see. Well, I think that's what I've got for you, friends. Um, good luck with all of the, the challenges that may come up over a full moon. Um, 
again, remember, even though there's some oppositions and some, some Mars elements to it, oftentimes things may seem worse than they actually are in the moment. And I think it's important to realize that, you know, the worst possible outcomes are not usually not the types of things that happen within astrology. We, we talk about a wide range of possibilities and oftentimes something generally in the middle. It's not always like the best thing that could happen or the worst thing. Uh, just, it's just sometimes it's just regular life that's going on. Um, so try not to get too anxious about these things. Remember to keep, try to keep your inner equilibrium. Uh, oftentimes when we find a place of peace within ourselves, we can extend that out into our external environment. And again, if you need to, you know, retreat like the octopus and keep quiet and blend in, that might be the way to, to, to uh, deal with the situation that you're facing as well. I just want to thank all of you for being here today. Thank you so much for all the super stickers and the super chats today. Again, if you want to make a donation, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. You can also make a donation at buymecoffee.com. The Decans of Libra are on sale until the 23rd of October. If you'd like to learn more about all of the, the Libra um, tarot cards, fixed stars, mythology, it's a three-hour webinar that comes with Deccan flashcards and whatnot. And finally, the Deccan Walk is going to be starting on October the 2nd. This is a week away, friends. And the registration period will close on Saturday, the 30th of October. So if you are thinking about joining up with us, and I would love it if you would. Like, we are going to go on such an amazing journey together. Um, if you need a payment plan, reach out. We can figure out something that can work for you. I would love, love, love for you to join me on this journey. We're going to be creating community. We're going to be going down into depth. We're going to be examining charts. We're going to be living these experiences in real time and sharing our stories with one another in these Zoom meetings, these twice monthly Zoom meetings. You will get access to all 12 of my Deccan webinars, over 36 hours of material, as well as a, a PDF workbook to work through and Deccan flashcards. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Um, and thank you so much for being here today. Remember, 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 be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. It starts internally. It's, it starts with accepting yourself and finding peace within yourself, and then you can extend that kindness to others. So that's how I got, friends. I hope that you have a great week ahead, and I will see you right here next week. I think we're going to be doing a Libra season Q&A, so I hope that you will join me for that, and I will see you the next time, friends. Peace.